too long because, like I said, we, we spilled our guts about this. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. Thank you. Yo. This will be the shortest intro ever for a episode of Where It Went's the podcast that you're listening to, which discusses the Revelation Records discography in order. And it's not because we're on a time crunch, but it's because we really just want to get to the fucking episode because this episode, no joke for me, this was the most exciting interview that we've done. Like, like I, my armpit started sweating when we were doing this <laughs> interview because it was fun, it was cool, it was engaging. But then also our interviewee, Put us on the fucking spot. Yeah. A bunch. Which I loved. I Dude, loved it was actually. so engaging. <laughs> yeah, very. It just, uh, so we, we interviewed Chaka um, from Burn, uh, and it was an amazing conversation, a great time. I do think before we do the interview, I just need to take one little opportunity to <laughs> bid it bow to uh, our friends and sponsor for this episode, End Hits Records. Um, we talked about them. A bit before they uh, reissued Shelter's uh, album, When 20 Summers Pass, uh, my copy came this week and it looks incredible. The merchandise looks incredible. The record, the pop-up altar, everything is of excellent quality. A lot of care was put into this. Very uh, nice, Prabhu. And um, yes, it came with a bead <laughs> bag um, for chanting beads, but... The next release on the horizon is another reissue from 2000 by the Los Angeles-based band Downset. Mm -hmm. uh, it's their third LP, Check Your People, which came out on Epitaph originally. Um, 2000 was, a, I guess, an interesting time for Epitaph because they did the Madball record and this Downset. So it's pretty cool that this record um, is going to get a, a second life. Um, there's some neat color variants that are already very close to being sold out. Yeah, it looks, if you see it on Instagram, man, this record looks visually incredible. It, and, and so did the Shelter record. You know, it's, it, it's so colorful. The colors of vinyl are crazy. And I don't know if that's because, but I have heard, I remember uh, when there was a little bit of, um, uh, especially with Axe to Fall, the Converge record, there was all of these really wild color variants. And it was, mm -hmm. I, if my memory serves me correctly, it was pressed in Europe and Europe has like less tight uh, regulations about the vinyl. And so you can get brighter colors and you can get like weirder stuff. And so I think maybe that's what's going on with some I, of these. I think hits. you're right because I know that uh, Joe at, at Hell Minded Records, it again to Hell yeah, Minded had told uh, told us like about plants overseas. It seems to be like a thing where you can get a lot of uh, cooler cooler stuff. But yeah, yeah. Downset, uh, check your people. I was not super familiar with Downset. I didn't come up with Downset. I know Javier, maybe you did beating out yeah, on the West Coast. Uh, they didn't play a whole lot of hardcore shows out here, but they did do a tour with, I want to say Earth Crisis and VOD. That sounds about right. And yeah, that sounds that's right. a fucking gig right there, man. Yeah. And I got to say that, you know, um, on talking to End Hits owner Oise, uh Ronsberger, amazing dude. I've had, I get to talk to him frequently now, which is, again, a thing I love about this podcast 
is that I have been able to make connections, and I think we all can, uh, have, with people that maybe I wouldn't have had a chance to, to speak with, and now I get to talk to him on a regular basis, and he had said, listen to this record and hear the influence. He's like, I know you love 108. He's like, hear the, the 108 influence. And I have to say, I really, I really did. It, had like, it was almost like Rage Against the Machine meets 108. Yeah. Um, and... So they have other cool stuff in the pipeline and hits that we can't talk about right now. But Downset, check your people, deathwishinc.com in the U.S. and um, endhitsrecords.com everywhere else. Real quick. And this podcast is great, too. While we're oh – Yes, gosh. it is. It is. It's really the, episode with, Thank the you. episode with Porcel. Yeah, yes, that's was what great. I wanted to Mandatory. So I, I have two things to say in that vein. One – a connection that I have made through this podcast is getting closer to Jason Mazzola. Uh -huh. You know, I've, I've been a fan of Jason's music. Didn't meet Jason in person until Rev 25. Mm -hmm. And Jason, now that I have the chance to talk to you every day, you are an outstanding individual. You are a great person. And I am so glad that I get to hang out with you once a week via Zoom and talk to you every day. And that Thank leads you. me to my next thing is listening to Jason on the Forum of Passion podcast is a great listen. And I just wanted to give a bit at bow to all of the hardcore podcasts happening right now, especially I've been hearing, I hear and see a lot of mentions about us out there in the world. Nickel City soundtrack, uh, Nickel City soundtrack podcast, right? With yep. uh, bit of bow to Chris mm -hmm. Wyatt and Nickel Mark, City, Mark Miller, and I believe Alex Byrne. Uh huh. And um, of course, one of the top tiers, Axe to Grind, Tom and Axe to Grind, and Bob. Uh, bit at boats, you guys and Patrick. And then you had another one that you wanted to mention, Greg. Yes, I want to give a bit of bow to my current personal favorite. Um, and that is end on end podcast, uh, where they're going through the disc. They're doing what we're doing with revelation, but with, yeah, discord. with discord and they have really found a groove. You know, I, I know they got off to a, maybe a bit of a rough start. Um, the host, Brian, who I now, that's another person I get to talk to I'm friends with this dude. I get to talk to him and, uh, he's super sweet and just a nice guy. And I think he originally had a co-host that it didn't jive. I, I didn't really hear the very early episodes, but then he got um, Jeff who played in the band Two Man Advantage and um, Too Many Voices and some other bands and they work great together. And then Jeff is on a sabbatical and they have my buddy, Ben Merlis. Edge. And Ben is... Ben is fucking made <laughs> for podcasting. Like I, I send them stuff and this is no, like I, I'm putting this out in the ether that Ben needs to be the new Jason. They need to have Ben. Don't get rid of Jeff. Jeff's great. But Brian should have Ben and Jeff. Ben's great. Like I said, I think he's just tailor made to be on a podcast and the past two episodes that they've done with Ben. Uh, I, I found, you know, cause I look at the, I'm I'm weird like that, and I, I look at like the iTunes charts, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, they they're like high up on the charts. Ben's killing it, man. Yeah. You said and Jason, not Jeff, but I I'll said Jason. Uh, 
I'm, yeah, I meant. I'm kidding. Sorry. I listened. Yeah. I listened to the episode that he was on, and it was great. But um, yeah, Gray Matter. Also, he did the Gray Matter EP, Take It Back, and the Rights of Spring Seven Inch so far. Great yeah, listen. And it's been awesome hanging out with you guys and texting back and forth. Yeah, I love it. Daily and planning for, for the pod. So yeah, and thanks before, to both of you. Before we dive in, also a bit of bow to the podcast that coined or let us know that the Burn Seven Inch is the apex of hardcore at the time and that is uh Agreed. 185 miles south with zach oxnard this one's and for you zach yeah this is a this was a great episode to record uh there's some surprises there's a surprise guest that jumps in in there and should we dive in let's do it kick it all right how's everybody doing so far now all right Let's all dance as crazy as we want, but try not to kill anybody yet. Yo, what's up, everyone? We are here today with, you know, uh, it's funny because Greg and I both pronounce your name differently. I say Chaka. One of you is racist. Whoever pronounces it wrong is racist. Greg says Chaka. Well, I'm I'm half Mexican, so it's impossible for me. Automatically makes you racist. So well, you know, you, what is it? Is it one or the other? You got, you know what I mean. You can't. You got to pick a side here. You have this. <laughs> what, what are you? Come on. When you introduce yourself to people, how do you say your full name? Javier Benos. <laughs> That's me. Fuck. Hold on. Let me get my Joe Biden on. My, my name is my name is Chaka Harris. I'm reading my phone for people that are <laughs> sleepy no, Chaka. Um, so you know, it's, 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 I think if I wanted to be, if you were like a really artistic woman that had, you know, nice eyes, I might say, Hey, my name is Shaka. Uh-huh. But since you're a strapping, a uh, bunch of strapping young gentlemen, I'll, I'll be assertive and be one of the dogs to say Shaka. Right. I think, I think the, the joke is not to make fucking carry this shit on is that if my mother's mad at me, she calls me Chaka. If she's not, <laughs> she calls me Shaka. Right. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, she uses the full name. Kind of emphasis there. Um, enough about me. What, what are you guys fucking doing, man? Well, we are here today to talk specifically about mm-hmm. the first Burn 7-inch. And mm-hmm. uh, I found out today because mm-hmm. I was listening to a live recording from October... 14th, oh, okay. 1990, okay. that the Burn 7-inch came out on the same day as the Super Touch full-length, which we did our last episode about. So I reckon that was about um, December 1990. And so... Yeah, you, you fucking got 30, me. You, 30 years you got, ago. You got me. I have no I fucking idea. We, we, asked, we asked Jordan <laughs> and Jordan... Yeah, yeah, Jordan had no idea. But what I'm getting at is, is this gig had like 12 songs and you recorded four of those for Uh the burn seven inch. So Uh when did burn a start 
writing these songs one year. I have year. no idea. Come on, man. Come on, man. I mean, 80, 88, 89? 88. The band started 88. Okay. You know I mean, like, okay. Yeah, so yeah. was this recording session your first recording session with Burn where you just the did four the song four EP? songs? Yeah. No. We okay. had a bunch of shit. We did a song with John the Bastard. Who, God bless John the Bastard, but like, I remember he insulted my vocal skills. Mm-hmm. That that session like was a. I think every artist has these sessions where like or or whatever the fuck you do. Anybody that's in like you have a situation where you go in and you're working with somebody and they're like, yeah, you suck. And you're like, word, like, fuck. And you're sitting there <laughs> like, do I suck? And then you work through and you're like, no, I don't fucking suck. Like you're just weird. And you realize, okay, I can kill shit. Uh, and I'm not saying that for me. I'm saying that for everybody. But that was that was the first bird recording session. Um, I'm not sure if that was for rebuilding or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. um, yeah. There's. I think there's... that was the thing that came before the EP. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So on the rebuilding CD, there's two uh-huh. burn songs. There's decay and drown. And uh-huh. so I think one of those was on the rebuild. Was it on the forever comp? Maybe it was for the forever comp. See, this yeah. is why I'm like, I'm like, I'm like there's not a, lot. a historian. Like my yeah. decimal is not like what it used to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I can remember, but I just don't, you know what I mean? Go ahead. And the crazy thing is back then is like you would record a song for a comp or whatever, and then it wouldn't come out until two years later, you know? So it's just sitting there, it's lost behind someone's dresser or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what's the, what's the grander point behind this? I just wanted to know when you started writing these songs, because if, if the burn seven inches recorded in 1990 and you have Mm -hmm. all these songs, so you, you must've been writing for a good couple years before this. No, I mean, I think, and kudos to Gavin. Gavin has a, like a storehouse of riffs and Gavin just always has riffs. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we just started going into rehearsals and Gavin had some riffs and I was doing some yelling and me and Gavin wrote a couple of, me and Gavin wrote um, Out of Time and I'm trying to think on the first record. Maybe Part of Decay, but Shall Be Judged and Drown I Wrote By Myself. Maybe Part of Decay, I don't know. But definitely out of time, Gavin wrote with me. Gavin wrote with morality. So Ga- Gavin has a lot of, you know, a lot of musicality and a lot of stuff happening. So it wasn't really this long R&D period. It was just more like Gavin's got some riffs. And it was really more about the energy. It was let, mm-hmm. it, it, at that point, and I'm sure you guys are here and I want to hear what, what your thoughts are on it. But as much as the songs were important, it was more how it enabled the platform for the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Did it enable the whole thing? Right, rather than this is a great song and this is about something very unique to me. It's like, is this song enabling us to be hardcore? And whether that means well, vegan or, or have the zine or whatever the fuck it was, that's more kind of what I think we were, that was more the focus. How does, how does that resonate with you guys? Yeah, I, I think the energy behind Burn, it, it's unreal, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's, more than just the songs it's like a vehicle that's what i'm saying yeah that's what that's the point right right and even when you see burn like the first time i saw burn was uh i think this is hardcore 20 oh my god 2016 you never you never saw burn then no i mean i grew up in orange county right and like uh it just it was, you guys were already broken up by the time I started going to shows, 92, right. 93. You just wouldn't have come out here at that point. So, right. Um, That's where us East Coasters are. Cause I, I, I didn't go in 98, but I did see that uh, 2001 when they had, uh, when you guys had Victor Cara 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, and those were a lot closer, but I mean, I think the early, and this is what, that, and this is what I love about hardcore. I'm just going to expand this shit the fuck out. Like, I, I feel yeah, like yeah. people, people generally know most of the shit, and unless you just really have three hours to kill, tell me something I want to fucking hear. Give me something interesting. <laughs> sure. Right? Fuck with my, fuck with my emotions out here. Right. You know, and then, I mean? you know, that's why we're, we're, we're trying to narrow it down on this podcast to talk yeah. about one record and, and, on and that tell record, the story of that record. But in going the with story, that, the story of that record, I'll give you the story of that record. Yeah, the story of that record is Prana Foods, uh, Tompkins Square Park, a little bit of Washington Square Park. Um, and, and, and that's, and, and I shared those three places and, and whatever, you know, squat Gavin was in and around mm-hmm. at that period of time. It could have been C squat or something else. I don't remember. But that's the major piece is that it was focused around in, uh, a, a resonance. What that resonance was, it was the health food store, right? Very important because that was not only a hub for learning about this veganism thing and this culture and diet food in America. Is this good or bad? And I grew up in it, so I was a little bit kind of in, in my own path. But then all the other hardcore kids were coming in anyway because it was the Lower East Side and, the, and that was where the punk scene was, right? So that's where Tompkins Square, which is obviously a landmark, you know, beacon of, of arts energy. Right, lots and of And then combine, combine that in with, with what Gavin was coming from, from the kind of squat, you know, super punk rock and whatever. That, was a, that wasn't my world. I didn't come from that. But that was a lot of that was coming out of the mid '80s and hardcore, where there's a lot of drugs involved. There's a, I definitely the the people think it got the the violence got heavy at a certain point, but it was a lot more violent when I first started going to shows, and even before then, you know, there was still you know white power kids at shows. It was still fucking punk. Yeah, you know, it was fucking punk, right? So that with the fucking with with me, let's say I come from an urban environment and I have my thing, and I come from this poetry with my dad and all this stuff. And where it all met and where it sizzled. And that's why I said maybe if you saw us later in life, you maybe didn't see the thing. Because the thing, as I shared before, it wasn't certain, it wasn't, it had almost nothing to do with us. It was more, in my opinion, a platform to enable the scene. And I don't mean that like some grand idea, because that's just what I wanted. I wanted I, I wanted something that the spirit ran through me when you're playing shall be judged, when you're playing drown, and every fucking people are grown men are fucking emotional with you. Yeah. That's not you. That's something else, right? It's a shared experience. All of us together. And my energy and your energy, you're singing to me and I'm singing singing right back at you. Right back at you. And that's what makes hardcore different where it's not like seeing Kiss, even though I love Kiss. You know what I mean? Like Kiss... You're They're sitting in your seat. You're sitting in your seat with an eighteen dollar beer, and you're like, "Yeah, I want to rock and yeah, roll." Yeah, let's go back day. to the hardcore piece. But, I mean, look, the hardcore. Right. The thing I loved about that is that I was I was going to shows by myself, and it was dancing incredibly hard. And a lot of yeah. my friends I met in the pit was getting into fights. That was organic hard dancing, in my opinion. I, maybe I'm an asshole to say that to try to d- distinct it out, but we weren't trying to be even hard. That was just where the whole thing was taking us. I was dancing hard. For absolution, which was obviously my major influence as a vocalist and burn was Gingy at a, at a certain point, mm-hmm. especially just because he was acrobatic, he was different. You know what I mean? He 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 came from a um, an Afrocentric background and had a lot of that arts as spiritually coming through him as well. So that resonated with my upbringing. You know what I mean? And it's that, and that's that is what I miss. And I feel like the burn record for me was just that. Everybody just being too naive to think that if they were doing anything, but yet letting as much of that energy from those three major uh 
sounding boards to help food store chomping through a parking gallery environment, letting those cook whatever it's going to cook. Yeah. But you knew you wanted to do something different, right? No. Okay. <laughs> this is definitely like we we've talked on the podcast before where we've tried to set these like demarcations of where revelation took the turn away from just the straight up youth crew. And originally we, when we started, it might've even been when it was just me and you have, yeah. we were like the burn seven inches where yeah. like after that you had like into another and uh far side and everything. We decided. That's, there was a time that there was a, that was in the, and I was going to ask you specifically, there was a, t- it was just a time when, and that's why I feel like, so the 90s in general, that was Burns started 88, but the 90s, movie, that's a period where there's all these experimental bands. Now there's yes. an experimental genre that's big. Yes. And that's when Burns started, right? So it was like Burn into another, even Super Touch. Yes. We were all, and I listened to, to a bunch of that podcast yesterday, and, and Mark mentioned interest from Darcy and these people that were kind of in this, like, these really external, but maybe much bigger and more experimental scenes. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was just kind of in the air as part of that triangulation. Right. And I think that's what, that's what made it amazing. And we got to use, a, you know, the, the cover is like a, my dad's a photographer and he had a, a bunch of stock stuff that he had showed me, you know, cause I said, Hey, I'm, we're doing this record. I want you to, um, I want to use some images. Right. And then, like, something happened where, like, I was sitting, I was watching, I was in my loft in Williamsburg. We had a loft, it was us and, uh, us and Quicksand, right? Or it split between, not every book, not everybody from those bands lived there. It was, like, me, Alan, um, uh, Gavin, Tom Capone at a certain point. Um, did I say Alan? I think I said Alan. But Quicksand also rehearsed there. Hmm. But I was, like, in my loft one day, and I was watching, like, a, literally a VHS tape. This is, like, whatever, 80, 89? Yeah. 80, 80, 89? And somebody called me and I just fucking hit pause. And I paused it right in the moment where like a, a flash went on. I was like, oh shit, that's, cool. that's it. So I called my dad. I'm like, hey dad, so this is what I want you to do. I'm going to have Sasha go to the next show and he's going to like videotape the whole show. And every time someone flashes, I want you to pause it and grab it. My dad was a photographer, rest in peace. Um, grab a screen, bra- a screen grab blah, 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 of the screen. And so, like, that was one of the images where I was just like that. So, like, it was yes. planned but not planned. You know what I mean? I knew I wanted that effect. And we planned to capture it but didn't know what it was going to be. Yeah. It's such an iconic yeah, it's cover. Awesome. And I, I'm glad you – I wanted to bring up your, your father, who I know is no longer with us. May he rest in peace. Thank you. Because he had a huge part Love to me from everything I've read with Burn. I mean, I know the, the photograph on the back. That a back image, too. Those, and um, those are two images. One's a Haitian sunset. And the other one is um, a peace rally. Yeah. That doesn't even sound like it makes sense as a word, right? It's to peace rally. Right. And, and like you, I know you said that if you see the bigger image, Mm -hmm. which I've never seen the bigger image, but um, if you see the bigger image, it's not as like ominous and scary. Not at all. It's like, I think they're called bread and puppets maybe or something like that. They're kind of like a a puppet sheet or kind of a costume troupe. Um. But yeah, and, that, and that's the beauty of art and perception and framing, right? Yeah. What did he think when he saw the cover? He loved it. Yeah, it's awesome. And I saw on the um, on the Smoke and Word podcast, mm-hmm. and Hoya showed the uh, photo of him taking photos of you playing. Yeah. And I thought that was awesome. I just think that that's cool that, you know, your family supported you and were behind you on that. And I think that I, can't imix- I cannot imagine watching my son tear up CBGBs, you know? Same. 
I can't imagine as a as a parent and like as someone who was in bands and my yeah. parents didn't really show. I mean, my that's dad so, came that to see sounds us once. so weird to me. I I yeah. took that. I think looking back, I took that for granted. I really did because yeah. we brought it up. I brought it up too with um. Actually, we we mentioned earlier Vic Dakara. Like his parents mm-hmm. were super supportive, and like there's inside out pictures that his dad took, you know, and yeah, pictures, and, and I think that's cool. And it is something, yeah. You probably that's did norm, take it for granted. That's normal to me. I'm so weird. No, it, it's cool. But yeah, like my parents, they were just kind of like, "This is your thing." Like <laughs> you do, you do you, or whatever, you know. Like like Jason, did your parents come see Count Me Out? No, they didn't. My dad came to see Cloak Dagger play though, and I mean, it was a oh nice. It was a small show. There was maybe a hundred people there. It was Cheetah Chrome's Dead Boys, but I mean, my wow. dad thought it was this shit. So I oh. mean. You know, I know how it feels, but it wasn't something where I could say, oh, my dad took a photo of us playing and, you know, now it's captured and forever on yeah. this record and this art, you know, this wow. thing that people love. You guys are and, amazing and for letting me know that that's a special thing. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 it is. and you know, it's great, experience. especially, you know, knowing, like you said, your dad's no longer with us. Like I lost my mom several years back and any kind of memories you can have like that where you realize like, oh, that wasn't a typical thing and it shows the level yeah. of care. That's a yeah. special thing to hold on to. Thank for you. Sure. That, that's, really, that's, yeah. that's really beautiful. Oh, Thank you. So, so on the photos though, your, your father went by Pita Hotep? Um, close. Okay, uh, okay. It's, it's Pita Hotep. Okay, not, sorry. That's not a language that people speak, so it's not like, you know. But yeah, Pita Hotep, he, he had changed his name to Pita Hotep legally in the... Goodness, it, it might have been, goodness, maybe a few years before then. Something like okay. That. Okay, cool. And you did, is the writing inside, is that you? No, and I, I wish it was. Um, actually, I don't wish it was because whoever did, did a great job. And it looks like comic book and it was like perfect, like yeah, science yeah. fiction-y, right, or something. Like, yeah. I forgot but who I, did it, but it wasn't me. I did okay. the shall be judged and, and the, that kind of squiggly stuff on the back. Mm-hmm. But like the the comic style ish is that James Kirby? You know who's the guy that quit, that had the camp style? Kirby, oh, man, I don't uh, know. Kirby was a, a Marvel artist uh, back in the day. He did a lot of the like um, Spider Man original Spider Man stuff. Jack Kirby. Of, Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. Jack right. Kirby. Something. Is that, did he do lettering at all or no? I think he might have just done the inking. Uh, that's okay. like a little bit more of the, the golden age. I was a little bit more of the nineties, uh, okay. comic book ah, stuff, the X-Men yeah. and X-Force yeah. and X-Factor and all that stuff. Very cool. last, what last if? Thing, yeah. <laughs> last thing I want to ask you about the cover. Okay. And then I'll stop the, the logo. Please don't. Okay. Tim Singer. Jason's a graphic one, right? design guy. Tim, Tim Boiling Point. Yeah. And so I, I and hit I, up Tim. Okay. And I said, um, Hey, did the, the burn logo, you know, cause uh, I think you, talked about it on Hoyas and I said did that come out before or after the Larry Bird shirt that they said, totally took that bird shirt yeah he said I have no idea what you're talking about and so look he's I got it I got this yeah, dude, the, oh. you, you, do, do you do you know why I know that that happened like that because we used a company called Just Say Rock I believe okay. the they were a t-shirt company based in Boston they did those first burn shirts with the squiggly squiggly on it on the back uh-huh. Uh-huh. I so they did those shirts. Look at that lettering. It's, it's it, look at the ink. Even yeah. it looks yeah. like the same ink. It's those. It's them. Yeah, yeah. This is a. It's a Larry Bird shirt, and it yeah. says Bird down the side. 
and it looks exactly like the burn font. And I thought, <laughs> it that, it's I wild. thought that maybe Tim Singer saw this and, and, you know, reorganized the letter so that it spelled burn, but he said, no, I definitely <laughs> didn't. I did that by hand. And, you know, I just thought, that yeah, was like cool that's, thing. that's, you'll have to, we'll have to share that picture, that shirt on the yeah, Instagram when we do this one, because uh, that's awesome. Jason was telling me and, and that he got it. And I was like, don't show me. I want to see it for the first time. <laughs> On the air, so I yeah, I got somebody hit me up with one of those, and that's a different, even a different colorway than I had, like an orange with green or some shit. And that looked like Dude, so wild. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna bootleg them in 2021. Yeah, Larry Bird. <laughs> yeah, Bird, Bird had game though. I know that he's not on the EP or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, it's man. it's interesting, you know. And Mark Ryan was kind of talking about this too: is the connection between sports teams colorways and mm-hmm. hardcore and like you know even going back a little bit before that with uh porcel and them bringing in the letterman's jackets to kind of add a different aesthetic because it was moving away from the squat punk like you brought up or maybe some of the like early cbs like dangerous why do you, why do you think it moved away because everybody every new generation wants something that's their own Exactly. So yeah. and that's why that's why what is sports is simulated simulated warfare, simulated tribalism. Mm. Right. So you go out there with your colors in your color way and you jump out there and you say, this is what's going to scare Dave or seduce my opponent opponent into losing. Yeah. Right. So if you think about punk, think about what they wore. You think about Purcell and those cats. And I thought I love those records. Look at what they wore. And then look at what I was wearing. Look at what yeah. Gavin was wearing. That's yeah. how we were like going to seduce whatever or whatever the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Or being serviced, whatever, whatever the fuck you want to say. Like, and it's what? also moving into the 90s. Like, it, it's very of the time. You know, it's like yeah, it was, starting it to was move into the, the Stussy, the, the stripes, some of the, the clothes are starting to get a little bit street bigger. Streetwear became yes. official, almost, yeah, something like yeah. that, right? And the graffiti goes hand in hand with that as well. You got you know, especially in New York City, Futura and like Mm -hmm. all that stuff coming up with like the different styles, Recon, you know, starting to make- And graffiti was a big part of the burn thing too. Like there's a, um, there's a, uh, my friend Carl has a famous video uh, graffiti series called Videograph. Mm -hmm. And there's one episode where we're downtown and, um, and we do this like skit for them. But that was some crazy shit. We had one roadie named AJ who's like, if you see like there's a the Tompkins Square Park video from that time, he's kind of bald, great looking guy, bald black gentleman, very, very sleek, big features. He looks like a model. Mm. He was an incredible martial artist. You see him doing flips and shit off stages. But like he got some dudes like tried to rob him at a job or something like that. And he ended up, and they had a gun on them. He ended up fucking both of these guys up. Like it was a crazy time you know what i mean so people yeah. were definitely trying to present like yo this is what i'm about this is what i'm doing this is my thing like these are my amulets or whatever the fucking thing is yeah well speaking of graffiti there's also a famous graffiti artist named chaka and yeah from la yeah yeah and and i've seen some of chaka's pieces out here you know like little and burners like, and so stuff chaka, that chaka's the name i'm saying like the graffiti became a, was a part of our out our identity yeah different than the the previous generation so it's going to reflect in how we wear clothes and in all of it that's what i'm sharing and how did that and we're going to be uh, more acutely aware of what colorways we want and how did that previous generation accept the new the new style where they had i thought i don't know (laughs) (laughs) because every every generation and every parent hates what their kids are doing and the kids hate what the parents are doing so exactly so i wasn't sitting there trying to ask like some 
whatever some guy <laughs> my age. Do you mind that I'm kicking you in the face? <laughs> no. Yeah. One thing no, I no. wanted to ask too uh, about the layout is because, especially because it seems like obviously you guys were very conscious of the way this was presented. Absolutely. How did you feel about getting that first press back and having that the typo and, on the You back. know what? And this is this is making me really happy right now because as like someone like I still like making music, it's reminding me of all the things that were in my environment in my mind. I want it it felt and looked like a comic book when, when I got it, honestly. Mm. Which is kind of what I unconsciously wanted, I guess, with all the choices we had made. Yeah. Right? So it looks like a looks like a fictional piece. You it's know, got, that's exciting and weird. Go ahead. It, it's got the panels around the photos and around, you know, the, on the insert, the, the cityscape. It's Gotham-y, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a very dark. It does have that very Gotham look to it. Like, right. Like almost dangerous and mysterious, but not scary, right? Yes. Yes. And that's props to Alan Peter Cage, who mm-hmm. took that picture on the back we were tripping on mushrooms one day and i ended up being like the mom because i was like i don't like how this feels so i'm like not allowing it mm-hmm. so i basically was like okay alan get he was like climbing in a lot these bricks in a lot. <laughs> we lived in this like um it was the schaefer schaefer brewing company's old factory on south sixth street and they were like all right you know let's go outside like so we're just outside like roaming around like right by south six in williamsburg roaming around and Alan might just take, I remember him taking the picture, like on a, like a 110 camera mm-hmm. or some, some craziness, you know, but you know, de- definitely different time. I mean, when, when you guys, how does that record in, in your opinion kind of relate to other records of the time? In terms of so I think it completely stands out in my opinion and it's abstract and lets you, you know, it's on revelation. So you pick it up and you think, you know, this doesn't look like a revelation record and it just, it leaves the possibilities open to what you're going to experience when you play the record. And I think that actually represents what burn is to me. That's how I, at least, that's you know, deep. that's mad DJ. Thanks. Yeah. You know, you can't put this record on without feeling immediately pummeled by the drums. First of that's all, true. Yeah, that opening it. fucking roll is so gnarly. I could just listen to that on loop. Oh that, my that God. Drum fill. Yeah. And, if you put it in the context context of everything that came before it, mm-hmm. our friend Zach Oxnard has said that it is the apex of hardcore at that time, and especially of Revelation Records, because everything before it is so primitive sounding, or just right. different sounding. You got fucking Warzone, you got Youth of Today oh break down God, the walls, dude. which oh are which are so like dirty and raw dude when under 18 when i got that record i I bought that i i I bought that record from jordan and ray in front of cbs that record that shit is scary dude and then and then you start to get into shelter and quicksand and things start getting weirder and we've dubbed that the college years yeah shit's experimental and people are smoking weed or like other things and then all of a sudden you get hit by the burn seven inch and you're like things are different now they're in the 90s things are gonna be different now and all news to me so keep going (laughs) and i think that it i think that this record changed a lot because it doesn't sound like anything especially on revelation that came before it Mm -hmm. and it's got 
it closes with a little bit of a slower slow song. Like it's not just an slow all jam. Out. You can say you can say slow jam. <laughs> it's not an assault. You know, like Youth of Today, Break Down the Walls is an assault from start to finish. Oh, okay. And and this has it comes up Some and it builds. It's got different. Yes, it's got different moods. It's got dynamics. It starts talking about depression. Which, you know, it's not just like, yo, unity, and we got to break down the walls and this and that. It's like, hey, like this depression that, you know, you start singing about different stuff and and it it brings in a realness that I think wasn't really there before. And for me, it it took it took a little bit as a youngster hearing burn because I was one that was so just like youth of today, Mm. Gorilla Biscuits. You know, I wanted every band to be like fast, straight edge hardcore. Mm-hmm. And when I heard Shall Be Judged, I think the first time I heard it was on that. Um, the in-flight comp? In-flight. And I was like, this is cool. And it's funny because I was into Orange 9mm and I knew like, oh, this is, you know, the singer for Orange 9mm. Right. But then I think I got the CDEP because mm-hmm. of, um, I want to give a bit of bow to Bane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my respect. favorites absolutely and uh aaron bedard i remember would always sing the praises of burn mm-hmm. and i was like all right I, I gotta i gotta fuck with burn he ended up singing on another record sorry go ahead yes yeah he did uh the the um to the ashes right yeah okay and so he you know bane even had these burn like rip off yeah logo In, stickers i think indecision was, records made those yeah this was around like okay. late Give 99 me, send me the name so i know who to send season to season. <laughs> <laughs> this was like late 99 early 2000 and i got the cd ep and i was like oh this fucking slaps like oh, i was like it, it hit and but again it's because it's it's a group that's firing on all cylinders you have mm-hmm. you know for your first vocal performance, pretty much. I mean, it's yeah. incredible. And I know you said there were some props to was, Don Fury. I love Don. And that's why I love Don Fury to this day. Sorry. Continue. We want to talk to, we want to talk to Don too, because he had such a hand in all this stuff. All but of it. I, Don, Don I mean, deserves more respect. Sorry, go ahead. The, the mm-hmm. bass playing on here is ridiculous. Alex, Alex is, Alex is, is a genius. I have no idea where he is. I wish him well. A genius bass player, wonderful bass player, very melodic. Think about Drown. Boom, 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 boom. That's yeah. it. So he wrote that shit on, it's the bass. Yeah. He wrote that yeah. shit on an acoustic guitar. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. It's nothing very complex about it, but it's very like, fuck. Yeah. And when you, when you talk about guitar players from this scene, the New mm-hmm. York hardcore or even just revelation scene, Mm-hmm. If Gavin Van Vlack's not in your top five, then you're doing something wrong because that dude is like the way he plays and the stuff he writes and the off time is like, it just makes me go like, and then of course we already talked about Alan. I mean, the dude's a fucking. So, so, so tell me, tell me what, what, what do you think influenced Gavin to, 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 to have that kind of style? Not hard. I wish I knew. I don't yeah. know. I have no <laughs> That's idea. Not, Jane's Addiction. Yeah, <laughs> it not, seems that not, Jane's Addiction seems to be influencing this kind of yes. time time I period. Think, I think it's, more, it's more Gavin mm. looked a little, you know, Gavin Gavin was more way more punk. Gavin comes mm-hmm. from discharge, swats, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So like uh, then, yeah, then, I, then he's hanging out in the nineties and that you know whole he loved that band Cop Shoot Cop and some of that stuff and he knows all those guys. Oh, I remember them. So Gavin plays in a bunch of different kind of 
uh, inspiration areas, I guess, in that respect. Yeah, I, I could hear some discharge in the beginning of Shall Be Judged. Yeah, discharge, and I never really I mean, realized that. Huge. I mean, all, I mean, there's the unreleased Burn songs of the discharge ones. You, uh, you can't stop me came out. But I mean, Motorhead discharge. Right. Yeah. And I hear that Motorhead. I, I've brought this up with a quicksand with a, I hear that mid period bad brains too. the groove like burn to me still had that kind of a little bit of that, that groove to me. Um, I, I think a little bit more on cleanse. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. I think that the other, the, the funk on that first EP is incidental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't something that was really nobody. You know, people get they kind of go like that when they try to be funky and they make the wrist all crazy. And they try to, yeah. the, you know what I mean? It, Alan wasn't doing that, but Alan. And I gotta give Alan props. I saw Alan go from being a, an okay drummer to being a great drummer. This is like right before we like re-recorded the record. I think that when he was doing Quicksand and, and, and Burn, he would have this little practice pad out. He'd always be like just all day all night long yeah and he his drumming just went pow he's another one that's he's one of the i mean we we've been fortunate too where with with revelation so many good drummers came from from this scene that ended up doing never thought about that because think uh, about um, sammy Sammy. drew uh luke Luke, luke um Love Luke, you know Apple Andy Apple. from Super Touch, Chris Bratton, Alan, Chris Bratton, yeah, and they Chris all Bratton. went on to like, you know, the big league. Some of them, you know, <laughs> yeah. playing in like major label bands that were. And any of them could have even gone further, depending on whatever. And that's what I. There's so you're right. There's a fuck ton of talent in our scene. I yeah, would, I kind of missed that. Hey, can I bring it back to the recording of the vocals? Yeah, yeah, of course. Can you tell me how how it felt to record with Fury? And I mean. Were you excited when Gavin asked you to be the singer for this band? Were you Those nervous? Two way different questions and way different timelines. <laughs> yeah, uh, my mind wanders like that. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, Which so is fine. But so, yeah. I can cover the overall. The overall resonance was that binds those two questions together is that I was still pretty much just a, like a hardcore kid coming from an artistic background. Yeah. In Don Fury's basement, just giving it all I had, and I really, you know what I mean. And I was doing my best to kind of take. Um, uh, suggestions from Alan and Alan stayed and hung out the longest when you're singing in a studio, especially when it's new and especially when it's hardcore and you're trying to do something like that has the kind of dynamics and kind of subtleties. I think that ended up being on that Bernie P mm-hmm. it's not as it, it's, it requires a lot of focus on the cadences and, um, and it, and it took to get to sing it hard and to sing it personal at the same time. Cause I can sing it hard and not be personal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, and sometimes you sing it harder than like it's. I'm singing. I was singing. It's always. I was singing way harder than it, than it sounds, and I think that's a kudos to Don for taking something and including the spirit of the aggression and not just letting it be just complete total aggression. Yeah, and I was singing very hard. You know that Orange Nine record, like that was the first LP. Singing very hard, Don and Don was great. Don is a great producer. I'm sure he did this for everybody. He helped to really sit there with you and, and he nurtured your musicality. He listened to you. He gave suggestions. He had a, a subtle um, uniqueness about him in terms of his ability to tell you to try something and, okay. to, and to share descriptive terms that might be spit out otherwise. But he would say them, share them in a playful way. And he kind of in, engaged the right part of your energy. Don is an underrated producer. 
I love yeah. that. Was he getting, was he pumped when he was recording this? I mean, it's so different from anything else that Don Don said. Um, I forgot. Don Don had very special words. I I interviewed like um um very special. I got this is very special. Yeah, I think that's what he said. I think that sounds a little bit like him. Um, um, sophisticated was the word he always used. Very sophisticated. Very yeah. Special. Um, it's hard to try to do Don after this time. But Don would come in. <laughs> Don would have Don would have like one of those plaid shirts, but not the thick ones, the thin ones. Mm-hmm. And he got it open down, uh, basically to just above his navel. And he'd have some kind of a charm necklace on, and mm-hmm. he had his hair slicked back. I mean, he's, he was a good-looking guy, and he's whatever you know, forties or something, or. Yeah, look like maybe he's in his twenties. I don't know, um, but he was a kind of a you know a hard drinking guy. He would come into the studio sometimes with a black eye. Uh, he claimed. I mean, Don Don was living. Don was the Lower East Side. Like Don was the guy that you were going to see if you were out at fucking five a.m. Yeah, you ever hear his band? Night. I know he had a band. The, he had a the, seven uh, inch the, or something. Um, um, Don Fiore and the some I forgot what it was, but yes, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it I heard cool. seven inch. I heard something. It looked but like Don, garage rock. Don was punk, and Don Don was a big piece of that glue in helping. Because as, as if, think about your format for your podcast, right? You uh-huh. consider, well, how do we how do we want to engage the guests? Like, how long do we want to spend on topics? As a producer, you're supposed to bring in like I want to make this authentic to you, right? This this performance authentic to you, but also has to be able to make sense for the label, right? Yeah. So. That's why I'm saying he kept making me sing harder because he wanted to make sure that it was still hardcore. You know, but he was able for to retain the me energy, and I had not met another producer that was that talented. Yeah. Did you um, did you make any of the other Burn records with Don Fury? Yeah, we made um that last great C record with Don Fury. Mm-hmm. And the one thing about that was, record. yeah, it was um we were it was like almost like a, like a showcase tape mm. that we made, and I think it was produced as such. Okay. It sounds a little less hardcore and a little more alty, altish. A little more yeah. mature. Which um, we get to we'll get to talk about in like four years. Yeah. Your current rate of pro- one oh eight. Rev one oh eight, yeah. Four yeah. years from now, I might not remember this, but um I contacted Norman. We were singing the praises of Burn, and he said that Norman Brown said the last time that he staged uh, was for the bait. Oh, <laughs> I love the photo Norman. Yeah, Great. I just love that. I so, love yeah. Norman. Yeah, like, um, well, did Orange Nine, the first EP, was that with Don Fury too, or no? Yeah, fuck yes. That's right, you said that. And then, fuck yes. And then the LP was with Dave Jordan, who Dave did like Jordan. Jane's Addiction. He was, was hardly there for when I cut vocals. <laughs> <laughs> But like, see, Jane's Addiction. We, I feel like J- you're right, Hav. Jane's Addiction has come up in the past. Wow. Like, they are. They seem to be a through line from what you guys have shared and what I heard yesterday. Yeah, yeah and like they t- they talked about this. Alan talked about this tape that Mark Ryan made that was Jane's Addiction on one side and Scream, uh, No More Censorship, yeah. their first one with Dave Grohl on the other. And uh, I think that kind of just sums up nicely this like this era of rev of like and of the time when like when indie was gone gone had gone legit right or something mm-hmm. like that think about even mark's tape where you have one dave Grohl, one foot in the punk world one foot in his next life and then you have james addiction basically the kings of authentic alt music at the time yeah yeah can i do you remember the first time that you played godhead for a friend i remember um much love and respect to, to um, 
Steve, Steve Blue, I believe, from DC. Okay. Um, I had gotten a demo of the tape of, of not a demo, a, uh, a tape of the mixes. Mm-hmm. And I seen blue. We were kind of friends a little bit, you know, and um, I gave him, he was like, Oh, what are you listening to? He had like a, he had a, a, a cast on his wrist. He had been bitten by a dog. What are you listening to? I'm like, Oh, um, and mind you, this, he's a scary dude. He's a very scary dude. Right. I'm like, Oh, um, he, he just my, my band burned. He's like, let me hear it. So I go to him. He's nice to me, but he's like a he's a scary dude, you know, mm-hmm. real deal dude. Um, and he puts it on. He listens to it. I'm just kind of like walking around the park. And then I come back, and he's like, "Shit is hard." And I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> Instant Holy validation. Shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I was like, "Oh my god, this might be good." You know. Uh, to, to kind of go back to part of Jason's question too, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately on this podcast we do skip around quite a bit. We I need, like to, we need to tighten it down a little bit. But no, that's not how life works. A, a couple days ago, I watched we watched the hundreds mini documentary about Burn. Mm-hmm. And Love Bobby, shout out to Bobby. Yeah, and and shout out to Tony Pops. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Anthony Papalardo. Anthony Papalardo. Oh yeah, yeah. Pop Pop made that shit possible. Mm-hmm. Pop made it possible. That was, you know, that's Papalardo. I was gonna bring. I think I've said before that's my actual family last name, and it got bastardized. So maybe me oh. and Anthony are related. Yeah. Go on. You should hit him up about oh. that. Love to do the family <laughs> but tree. Listen, in the in that documentary, if you haven't seen it, you should you should watch it on YouTube. But sure. Gavin says that he basically built the band for you because he wanted to have a vehicle for you to pilot and i i love that I, I that's so awesome man it's like he saw the talent in you and was like okay this is like i don't know if chaka can sing i don't know if he can scream but i'm gonna make something for him and you guys did it Not so even plugged into what i shared that what we were just making we were making it for everyone else mm-hmm Without even trying to make it for everyone else. And what foresight on his part, though, to be like, you know, to kind of see like you, like you said, you were a hard dancer, you were at the shows and be like, we need to give him a platform. It reminds me of one of my favorite groups from the past two decades in hardcore is Blacklisted. Mm -hmm, And that was a similar story where George, the singer, was just a dude that was at shows moshing hard and uh, their original guitar player now i forget what he played tim smith he uh basically saw george and he remembered him telling me we were in a car ride home he's like i'm gonna ask that dude to do a band mm-hmm. and that was nice. like what happened and you know it ended up being yeah, they kill shit. yeah yeah it was for, for the best yeah. because he's yeah. you know an incredible front man and lyricist and everything but sometimes it does it takes that person to because you yourself may not know i don't know if you knew like yo I think I'm going to, I would love to sing. I'm going to be a great singer, mm-hmm. but he saw that and it kind of probably helped you like give you the, the momentum to do it. Absolutely. Gavin was very empowering and always a great, a wonderful friend. We obviously had our ups and downs the same way friends do. Right. Um, but G- Gavin, uh, I would share is 100% that that marries it with my thought around how Gavin has been a part of my life. And when you went into this band, you know, sometimes you approach someone, you're like, hey, I want to make a band that sounds like this and this. 
-hmm. And in your head, you're like, I want to sound like this and this. So what Mm -hmm. was going on in your head when you stepped into burn? What was it? Nothing? I think that's the beauty. The more I think about it, nobody was thinking nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is. No, that's that's. And sorry. And, no, that's great. That's a great answer, and it and it 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 falls in line with the pioneering aspect of what was happening with hardcore at the time because yeah. there was a lot of uncharted territory. You're stepping out of the thrash, as I said, and into mm-hmm. something new, and you're not standing on the shoulders of giants necessarily at this point. You are becoming those giants. unknowingly and unwittingly so that's cool to hear that you're not like oh i want to be like this and i want to be like that other than having the influences of Jinji and some of the other people that were around you at the time Mm -hmm. but not trying to emulate anyone because there wasn't anyone yet for you to emulate it was just clear that it was like a new slate or something or whatever yeah Yeah. did the shows feel different did you did the burn live shows feel different than anything that was happening I think so because they were they were raw. Yeah. You know, it's almost like um have you ever seen like uh any of those James Brown shows where he's like dancing really fast and we're shaking ass really yes. fast? It just seems like something's about to catch fire. Yes. It felt like that um added into like a, a punk show. Yeah. I mean there were other bands that sounded heavy and they bring their own thing to it, you know. Sure. I feel like the burn thing just was always very like edgy and kind of anxious and like like even even the songs that were slow yeah there was just a lot of like you know like james brown dancing fast sorry i made it up to the coney island high show and that oh, was yeah, really, oh yeah yeah i made it up to that and one that was late too that was later in life it was it was that was still an awesome show though was that 98 the 98 run something like that it was probably. after philly yeah it was probably around that time period but okay can you tell me about playing with bdp before we go on yeah and that and that that's this is what i'm talking about that that era was crazy because people knew what hip-hop was but not really you know yeah. what i mean like not like that like that and the same thing with punk like there were certain kids in punk that knew that because a lot of us were from the neighborhoods anyway but there were other kids in punk that wasn't really a part of their thing and like definitely for bdp like when they walked in to the club like they were dancing people were dancing to the opening band and bdp thought it was a fight and they started like swinging and, like, like, <laughs> everything had to get stopped and but I mean that 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 fire. I mean, you guys have all been at a show where you know, holy shit, this is pop. Whatever is happening right now, yeah. this is popping. I'm glad I'm here. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oftentimes, a little bit of that riotous thing in the air where you're where you're like, you know, I might not be safe, right? I might right. be yeah. unsafe, but whatever this this whatever's popping is worth it. And honestly, I felt that's what those burn shows to me felt like. And when you look at the videos, like people are going off in a different way. There's like emotional yeah. energy. There's physical energy. There's mind energy. Like. It's As Mark Ryan, Mark Ryan put it, and he wanted to elaborate on it, he told me after the fact, spiritual mosh. Like Literally. Super touch. It was, that whole era, was a, it was a different vibe. Even and for I, someone and think like about it, So I was dancing for him all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Fahim, Joey, who danced for Burn all the time. Fern, who danced with Burn all the time. Dancer Super. Like, we had the very much the same dancers, except I was also dancing for Super Touch. And I'm not saying that that, that that made Super Touch in any way, but our dancers had a huge influence on how other people were able. It's like the video for the song. You know what I mean? Like, having those guys, um, uh, Mike from the Bronx, having those guys dancing, it almost gave people an idea, okay, now I see the dance to this kind of music because it wasn't just a typical like who, 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 who. But when you see like Fahim and you're seeing Fern and everybody's doing these crazy flips and they're like 
they're doing what looks like a combination of like martial arts, prayer, break dancing, whatever I'm doing. They're like, holy, I get this. Like, I'm, you know, like I'm gonna yeah. let myself go to now, right? In my own unformatted fucking freeway. Mm-hmm. I think for me, that's what made us helpful. So were, were you guys, at that time, 1990, 91, you were playing a lot with Super Touch. Like, were they like your brother band? Because I feel like I see a lot of flyers. Mark was and is my brother. So we were just, I mean, at that point, like, it wasn't that spread out of a scene. So if you're going to do some show, you're like, okay, like, who do we got in New York that, like, kind of is a similar thingy that's not going to, that doesn't need the headlines. Because, like, you know what I mean? So it ends up being us, Super Touch, you know, later in life shift. or what You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. there's a handful of those alt-ish bands that, like, if we were, if, because if it's quicksand, quicksand's going to have one, right? Right. And that's going to turn, you know, so we had, I mean, it, Burn and Super Touch was, I think, a great pairing, especially for that time. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So what was it like, too? Because I know some people, um, some of the bands we've talked to, when they're on Revelation, mm-hmm. people still kind of thought, like, oh, straight, this is a straight-edge band, a straight-edge label. Because Super Touch, we addressed, too, like, the opening line of the record. I've been drinking all night. You know, you yeah, mentioned... I heard that part. Doing, you mentioned doing, you know, <laughs> the mu- mushrooms and stuff. Like, this was a whole different era. Did you get any pushback from people at that time? Like, from the, from the earlier Rev scene that were like, oh, this is whack. Honestly, or, like... We, it wasn't like, I mean, we were friends with them and stuff, but we didn't really hang out. I mean, Sammy was, because Sammy was downtown. Mm-hmm. Sammy Siegler was downtown. Um, but a lot of those guys, they were, they were, that was a different world. I mean, we, they, it wasn't never the Twain Show Meet, but we, it wasn't a chill session. Gavin played in, in um, a couple of those bands for a while. Side by, he played in Side by Side for a second. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, like we weren't hanging out. Like I said, Sammy, yeah, because Sammy hung out downtown. Yeah, like, and he was a bit in the hip hop thing. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like it wasn't. Nobody was looking for approval from from. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have yeah. come up. Also, you figure like nineteen ninety ninety one, like a lot of that stuff was over. Like, yeah, those bands were were done. Judge was done. Gorilla Biscuits still existed, but hanging on. It was done. Yeah. Um, you know all that all that so was, this is the changing of the guard then and it's this is this is the new scene i guess you guys ask great questions thank you thank you even we put a lot of thought we do put a lot of thought you know we try to because like we you said because you're right this stuff's kind of been told some of it's been told to death and we want to make yeah. sure to to really dig in and get good info for people yeah. And for yeah. us, like, what would I want to listen? Like, do I want to listen to a podcast where someone's just telling the same stuff? Goodness fucking God. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I don't listen to podcasts. I only listen to MP3s. I listen to too many. So you're the other, you're the other way around. <laughs> that, that I'm, I'm listening to like, like today I listened to live burn. You know what I mean? I'm sitting at my desk. Very I'm listening cool. to live studio demo, the seven inch stuff. Like that's the kind of stuff that so I want to listen to talk real, real quick. So like Go. listening, looking at that progression, right. Mm-hmm. In your mind from the, the stuff you've heard from the earliest to the latest, mm-hmm. when do you think, do you think there's a, a point that we change direction? If so, when do you think that that might've been? Well, so you got, you know, the, the rebuilding and forever comp, which sounds raw. And is, uh, did Tim Singer sing on one of those songs? I, th- I want to say DK. Me. Oh yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Okay. On the yeah. forever comp. Yeah. And then That's you just, got, oh my God, it's so long. <laughs> it is. It's over 30 years ago. Oh, then you got the Tim's burn. Tim's got a hand. I just wanted to add in real quick. 
Tim Singer has such a hand in so much of the stuff. And I feel like he does not get credit. He left yeah, such a footprint on hardcore. Um, mm-hmm. Can I uh, insert something real quick? Sure. Yeah. When I, I was just saying, go okay, go ahead. When I asked him about the Larry Bird logo, he said he also did the GB logo in the circle. I had like what? I had no idea. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I mean, and then so. they put and then they put mustache man over that, I guess. And then I guess so. this would be a good time real quick to interject. Holy shit. Tim's got a new no escape record coming out on I uh, love Tim. My yeah, Tim, I love label Hell minded, so check it out. So Tim, I, it I ran into Tim at Beyond the Streets uh over mm. the summer last summer. Okay. I guess. So we took I actually nice made the trip up for that. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Roger, Roger Gasman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that was an awesome time. We the went up there for the Roger weekend shouts. and took it in. So, okay, so, like listen, progression. so yeah. the progression, so okay, no. So the last great C was only recorded two years after, or about three years after this EP. And those two records, I mean, they both sound like Burn, but you can tell that it's already, everything is like turned up a notch. It's kicked mm-hmm. up, it's tightened, it's, it's mm-hmm. a little bit cleaner. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, cleanse and, and cleanse oh. was kind of hard to find for you know it came out a little bit later and it it, mm-hmm. it just didn't hit the same i think right. every record sounds different but it still all sounds like burn it's I not a huge departure it's like every youth of today record sounds like youth of today but it's just turned up a little bit and it, then by the time you get to do or die mm-hmm. like whole different thing but it's still fucking burn you know what i mean like you're not going to a burn gig in in uh 2019 or 2021 or 2022 and Mm -hmm. and hearing a totally different bunch of songs i I mean a totally different bunch of sounds everything is is got burn especially because you've got chaka and gavin you know you've got you've got the the noisy guitar playing and you've got the vocals and the performance of both of those individuals as well. So I think that burn just tightened up and matured over time, but the explosion, like literal explosion that comes from the, the first EP is fucking so wild. Yeah. And I I, I wonder that, that actually have, thank you. Cause that brings up a question I had as an artist, Mm-hmm. You know, and you've got a, a, a vast catalog between Burn, Orange Nine Millimeter, Ghost Decibels, new EP came out, sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you. you know, so you're still doing it. Mm-hmm. What's it like when, when Burn would play these shows in the past couple of years and mm-hmm. kind of seeing like you guys have all these killer songs, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, I mean, this seven inch is the one where like when these four yeah. songs play, people when- are going ape shit when godhead comes on yeah but then you know stuff from cleanse or stuff from even last great c or the new stuff i think i mean i think it's something the 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 short answer is that that was a primal phase in the band bringing out primal reactions and listeners Mm. so it doesn't so as an artist does it it doesn't necessarily like upset you like you understand it like you're like no you never understand it Especially Never. on okay. stage. No, hell no. You know you want? Because, <laughs> like, like, you want... Go, I'm like, go off for the fucking slow song, you know? Or, right, or, and, yeah. like, you want people to be going off for do or die. Like, that's an anthem. Why aren't people, like, why aren't people going off for, you know, the song do or die, but they're going off well, for Godhead? I, I think I have an answer to that, and a lot of it has to do with... um 
the familiarity of when you heard yeah, this material. That's what I was going to say. You know, like yeah, a lot of us, a lot of us heard these songs when we were 17, yes. 18, whatever. And so we carried, I've literally been listening to these four songs on this yes. EP mm. for over 25 years versus Do or Die, which, you know, when I saw you guys at Rev 25, that had been out for what, a year, two years, something like that. So I just didn't have the familiarity with it. Yeah, I, yeah that's, you know? that's the short answer. Yeah, I, it, I like that. What else? Keep going. Somebody who, who didn't share. Well, I, I, we got somebody coming in the chat right oh, now shit. that didn't share anything yet. And this was my our, surprise, our guys. Dude, oh, Balaram Shakti. My homie. Oh, What's up? What's up? Balaram oh, Shakti. What's up? What's up? What? What the fuck is up? What's Yo, up? so <laughs> we're, we're Balaram. We, and, uh, this is actually a perfect point uh, for Balaram to join in. Absolutely. I was asking Chaka about the fact that, like, you, you like me, are a guy that celebrates the whole burn catalog. Yes. The entire burn catalog. But I was saying, what is it like for Chaka to know that, like, they play something off the seven inch? people are losing their minds, but then they start playing, you know, something from cleanse or even last great C or do or die. And people are just kind of like, you know, bobbing their head, but not feeling it. And I asked him, you know, what that's like as, as an artist when you're on stage and you have this very discography that you're proud of, that you put all this, uh, you know, blood, sweat. I didn't say I was proud of anything. <laughs> well, you should be. You should be. <laughs> I, I mean, for me, they're, they're words. They're words that you use in a sentence. I'm proud of my sentences. Sometimes I'm not, right? But I think so. If you have a discography, it's just like having more words in your vocabulary. So I don't really, I just want people to enjoy what the fuck I'm sharing. And I feel yeah. like dance to fucking do or die. Dang, you know what I mean? Like, ball around. What were you going to share, my brother? Uh, you know, People are going to react how they react. I think it's a little weird that people get stuck on the first seven inch. That yeah. pisses me the fuck off, man. <laughs> like, as a fucking, as a fan of the band, people are like, oh, yeah, the first seven inch was dope. Everything else was bullshit. And I'm like, are y'all not paying attention? Yeah, I'm they like, said bullshit? I, Damn, that's hard. Stand <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, oh, man. Edit that part man. out. Edit that part yeah. out. Yeah, edit that part Beep, out. Bleep that part Yeah, yo. On these online uh, social media and all these different groups, people just be going off saying their opinion. And personally, I feel that people just don't invest in bands anymore. You know, I, I think it's very I think it's very harmful to reduce a band to one record, especially mm. when they have when they have a larger output. It's almost insulting to be like, oh, yeah, these four songs right here. Great. Everything else. Nah. And I'm like, that was what I was trying to get at. Yeah. You know, yeah. I. I I, it's unfair. It's unfair. I um, I'm a huge glass jaw fan. Never knew this in problem fact, existed at this level, so now I'm bugging. Go ahead. I'm I'm a huge glass jaw fan. I am a moderator of a glass jaw fan group, and you'd be surprised okay. at the amount of people who only love the very first glass jaw record. It's the same thing. It's like, man, this band has like a fucking twenty year catalog. And every single I'm, record I'm, is I'm good. over. I mean, for me, like at this point, especially like just with like social media and like mm. trying to communicate and engage with people, I'm realizing, hey, you know what? They're not going off because they don't want to, right? It, it, it's not their fault. They're not dancing your shit. Make better shit. Mm. Make shit that connects better with whatever the fuck you want to connect with. 
right? That's just honestly where I'm at. So people don't want to dance to do or die. Hey, I realize, you know what? That record, I love the record. That record's not a record people want to dance to. If we want people to dance, we got to do something different next time. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I think in the beginning, when, like I said before, nobody was thinking about anything because everyone was just in the middle of life. That's yeah. when that primal sugar ups that is more undeniable. That's yeah. why I like making new bands, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. not to mention when the first Burn record came out, there were no expectations. Nobody knew. They're just like, hey, this is, a, this is a new band. Boom. This is what it's like. And then, of course, the bar set pretty fucking high for the 7-inch. Like, is this my favorite Burn stuff? It is. I'll make that clear. Right. Like, the yeah, Burn 7-inch is, is, is my favorite. Wow. But I, Interesting. I like all, all the stuff. <laughs> like, I love Cleanse. I love right, Last yeah. Great Sea. I yeah. love Do or Die. But like Balaram said, I guess my take is like, everybody consumes music differently. Yes. And mm-hmm. I guess me, I'm from the school. Like when I got into a band, I followed all the twists. You're fucking like, into the band. Right. Like, like, right. you know, my favorite band of all time is REM and they have had so many different peaks and valleys of their career when they lost their drummer and they did this. And I go, I go for the whole ride, but I get that there's people like I meet people. Oh, I love REM, but I only like you know 1980 to 87 or whatever. You want to know why that is? You want to know why that is? We love here. It's because it's because you're not a fucking poser, dude. You're not a poser, dude. You are you're you're digging you're digging in and you're taking it for real. Get back to burn catalog. If people actually listen with their ears, they will hear that some of the the same characteristics that are present on the first seven inch are present throughout the entire being of the band. The guitar guitar chords are there. They're consistent. The vocal delivery is consistent. Everything is consistent. So for someone who says, oh, I don't get cleanse or I don't get last great C, I'm just like, I mean, not to be harsh, but are they idiots or are they just not hearing? No, no. What I'll, what I'll share is that if you, even if you listen to, all right, so we, Metallica and Justice for All, I think I just came out. That very kind of like mid-rangey, and that honestly is the best sound for Burn. And that's what the EP sounds like. None of the other records sound as metal as the first EP. Okay. Well, here's an interesting point that kind of goes back to what I said about people's familiarity with it. The, the first EP comes out in 1990. Mm-hmm. Cleanse comes out 2001. And then The Last Great Sea comes out 2002. So that's right. 11 years, which in hardcore years, that's like two generations. <laughs> so you have yeah. these people who maybe latched on to the first EP and then maybe they weren't around and then maybe they came back. Honestly, this whole, com- this whole conversation piece is fascinating that it's interesting to anybody. I don't know why anyone <laughs> That's why we're here. We're the- <laughs> we are the fucking nerds who care about this stuff and we have an audience who cares about this stuff. I mean, we get people every day who are like, yo, I've been listening to this record for 20 years and I love that you guys are talking to about it and you're you're talking to the artists and you're uncovering these like you know, these little things about the recording. I system. like that part. I just don't know if anybody would, I mean, if I don't like a certain part of the band's uh, catalog, then hey, catalog. that's okay. Like, well, it's not a big deal. Totally. So let's shift yeah. gears a little people, bit. And- people care. People care because Burn is like one of the best hardcore bands not named Bad Brains. And that's why people care. Wow. So, because well it's legit. It's let's, legit, yeah. dude. Not, and, 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 and there's a fuck with it. 
And there's a, that's a testament too, though. Because then the, the flip side is, hey, if they only care about the first seven inch, most, so, most people don't know what it's like to write a seven inch this fucking good and have people be like, I only like these four songs. Even if they only like these four songs, no, nobody likes anything I've done as much as they like the burn seven inch. You know what I'm saying? I don't like sure anything you've done do. as much as that. that hey, let's, let's shift gears though and get away from the rest of the burn catalog. I want to know how this record came to be on revelation records. Fuck. I mean, I think it was, I think it was through Alan maybe. Okay. Because of the, the quicksand. quicksand. Mm-hmm. And Alan's responsible for, for helping to get um, Orange 9, too. Mm. On, 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 wait, was he? No, wait. Porcel, no, man- I think. Management, sorry, go ahead. Did Porcel sign Orange 9? Didn't? No, Gitter. Gitter? What, to Revelation? <laughs> yeah. yeah, didn't he say that? Or am I thinking of... No, others? I lived in Purcell's, I sublimated Purcell's apartment for a few months. Because he, he signed some... In it. Yeah, he signed he some signed heavy hitters. He, he had the ear. He got wow. Sensefield, I think, Statue, and maybe Into, into Another. another. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Into, into Another was the first record that uh, Rev released when they moved to California, and it's because Porcel had moved to California and was wow. living with them and was like, hey, Richie's new band, you know. Yeah, put it out. Crazy. You want to have some crazy serendipitous shit? Yes. So, or- like, I'm working at I'm working at Piranha, and then uh-huh. like, fuck, I'm like, I have to move. I still haven't found a place, and I have to move by tomorrow. Fuck, like, I'm like, all right, what am I gonna do? And so Purcell comes in, he's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm fucking bummed. He's like, yo, what's going on? I'm like, I have to fucking move tomorrow. He's like, yo, I'm going on tour tomorrow. You want to rent my You want to rent my room? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> So think about that. So I mean, I was like bummed. Like, of course, I was like, "What's wrong?" <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Shout out. And, to and maybe you, I mean, and you guys don't seem like you get the import of being of having to move and not knowing where you where you're gonna go. I'm not, you I, guys look so No, it's. By the way, I'm shocked. He gets this. Get gets the serendipity. It's it's that's a tough that's a tough that's a tough move. And then like, at one moment you're like, I don't know where I'm gonna go. I don't know exactly. what's gonna happen. And, and a dude just walks in. And he's like, you know, it just so happens I'm going on tour tomorrow, the same day that you need to be <laughs> somewhere. It's like, and that's that's, a, that's, that's like a that's, big deal. That's, that's <laughs> like what you call what fate, the spirits, yeah. the 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 whole motion, the angels, what it's all the universe, <laughs> the stars the universe. lining up. All of it. So all of it. I, I had another question that I I. I tried to ask earlier and I don't think I articulate it properly okay. was when you got this record back for the first press, mm-hmm. there's the infamous typo on the back. Shall be Judgment. Judgment. Yeah. How, how bummed were you at that? Or did you not care? Did, did it, didn't spike anything in me at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where like you, once you've seen that record so many times, you almost don't really read it. And if you're like, all right, there's a guy named Grant Cardone, right? He's a, he's a famous uh, uh, real estate guy. And he wrote a bunch of books that are bestsellers, right? And he's like, guys, stop me in the airport. He said, there's typos all in your book. And Grant's like, all right, where are they? He's like, page 30, page 127, page 206. He's like, why the fuck are you telling me this? It's a fucking bestseller, bitch. <laughs> and walks away from the guy. So at that point, I'm like, you know what? Like, the record's good. Like, I don't care yeah. if I spelled it junk. I, like, I legit, I didn't, I didn't know. This? I didn't know. I didn't know for either. So long that it was that. And then it, now that it's pointed out to me, I can't not see it. Honestly, I didn't know until but... years after. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think people maybe were just too, like, 
like either respectful or afraid or something to tell me, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't spell, he might be crazy. <laughs> don't, they, don't they, might have, they might have thought it was on purpose. You know how some bands do that? Oh, we're going to misspell like, something on purpose. Exactly. Like it's resurrection. For, just, just for people for Luke. Yeah. Resurrection. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. See, Balaram steps in with, with another <laughs> chance. That's why, that's why I wanted Balaram. I said, I, I said, you gotta, you gotta come on this one. I, I slid it on the, I, I slid under the table, the, nice. the code, the secret code to get I'm in. Show, all right, I'm gonna show you this. So during that time, and this is, this just speaks to the, the, the all the, the confluence of energy. So we were all going out at night, right? For these, um, Gavin was working at clubs. Sammy was going out. Um, uh, other heads from Harker were doing the door, and Jimmy Rods. If you look at one of the videos, it's one of the most. I mean, it's the, it's, I think it's the video that's the major video on YouTube with me in the Palo Peralta jacket. Joey Rods has, he's like this kind of like a short Caesar cut, he's kind of glasses, and he's a very good looking kind of Latin guy in a turtleneck, long sleeve, and he's just like voguing on the side of the stage during the most brutal parts. And like that energy is really like, that's what it was. It was whatever, it was a just full on expression of whatever the fuck you want. And I think that that, that that to me is jumping out as the most important piece of this kind of conversation, especially as it relates to what you guys shared with Mark in the episode that I just listened to, mm-hmm. where there was just all this nascency that was just kind of begging for something new to happen. It just sounds, sounds like, like I wasn't around then, but it sounds so fucking exciting. Like, it sounds like, like, God, I would have loved to have been a few years older and experienced it because this whole era it just seems like this breath of fresh air and yeah, where you had a burn and super touch and then a little into bit another. into another, mm-hmm. like yeah. what the fuck? Like the first time you heard into another, I, I, your <laughs> mind, people's minds had to be absolutely blown. Not even, absolutely. not even hearing it, but see it when you open up that first record and you're yeah. like, this what is the, the guy fuck? from underdog. What is he wearing? Yeah. Exactly. You know, like it's so experimental in so many ways. But yet, still true to whatever this hardcore thing is that we love, right? Yes, yes, I think so too, and it still retains that spirit and feel. And we're we're heading into, I have to say, a very exciting time with the label. This whole era, I think of, so. Of you know the from really from you know all the releases have been great so far. Like we've been lucky where there's no literally no duds. Even the ones I didn't know about, well, the one Slipknot yeah. ended up being like I was like, <laughs> I, <didn't laughs> <know. laughs> I was like, this record, respect, cool. respect, you know, right. like, and uh, it's just it's it's we're kind of secondhand experiencing the excitement because we've been, you know, for research purposes, we listen to the releases like as we're doing the, you know, for the episode. So it's almost like in real time we got. I don't want to say burnt out on because I love all those bands, but it's almost like we're like, okay, we're, we're, we're done with like the straight ahead, straight edge hardcore for a bit. We're ready for something a little different. And then we get it with, you know, the, sh- the shelter and even the later youth of today, the later judge mm-hmm. stuff, um, bold, you know, with their second, like it, it just, this progression has been so awesome to kind of get to retroactively witness in that same projection. What, what are some what, of the words that, just real quick, what are some of the words that jump out to you as you kind of consider that in your mind? They don't have to form a sentence, just what words should come to, come to your mind? I guess like experimental. Keep going. Um, 
of course, Just melody, spin them out. melody, yeah, melody, um, inventiveness, technicality, passion, yeah. Yeah. passion, emotion, power. emotion. Yeah. Power. Yeah. Yeah. Like what an, like I said, that 89, 91, you know, 90, 91, 90, what an exciting time. Cause even the bands that were around in the eighties were doing like, like I said, bold, that last mm-hmm. bold seven inches. Amazing. The last yeah. youth of today, seven inches. Amazing judge would have been the, if they did a second LP, it would have been next level stuff. Cause they were hinting towards this other thing. Uh, you know, even GB with their stuff and you had super touch. It's just, it's it's just well, it kind of became Civ, right, or something like that. Yeah, and like just what a great what a great time, and it had yeah. to be it has to be awesome to have played a, a part in that and been. What, you, what is that? What are you drinking right now? Uh, Aha uh-huh. seltzer, uh-huh. <laughs> strawberry <laughs> cucumber. Love Made uh-huh. it to our new sponsor. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I did a lot of seltzer. It's- this is just super authentic. That's what I think of. It's super authentic. My brain just melted. Because the idea of voguing to burn never crossed my mind. Mm. And now I'm fucking with that idea hard as hell right now. Because yeah, now that I'm, cause I'm, cause I'm, cause I'm hearing the music in my head, I'm like, yo, you could vogue for real to this shit. That's amazing. And can you, can you vogue to youth of the day? Nah. Yeah, really. you, you, got, you see what I'm saying? It's got, you got to have a, you got to have the type of vibe that, welcomes expression welcomes experimentation welcomes the journey welcomes the path welcomes acceptance welcomes just being organic and true to you to where you can do what you want to do right like like the song drown Mm -hmm. right it's it's slower what are you going to do when that song is played you're not going to fucking like circle pit I'm going to feel that have, in my heart. Yeah, you're going to yeah, fucking gonna gyrate. You're going to you're going to shake yeah. and you're going to you're going to like pound your fucking chest and and sing those words. It's a different form of expression. It's agreed. It's, yeah. And it's a spiritual, man. It's it a is, spiritual. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what we it's said. A, it's a spiritual mosh. It's a hymn. Spiritual mosh. It's it a hymn, a man. It sounds like a you, it sounds like a church hymn. If you've mm. ever been to church and you have these songs and they're like really digging in. It's like wow. it's it goes beyond the music because you're listening to the lyrics, and it's just like you know, like I tell you, Greg. You know, like I, remember I told you about that that church that church song that we used to sing. Yeah. You know, where, where it goes, "This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through." And it's like the older you get, you're like, "Oh wow, I That's feel connected." Real. Yeah. I, yeah, the music is just real. Well, man. burn, burn to me always had that spiritual feel to it. Um, right. I think in your delivery, Chaka too is almost like uh, like a preacher at times. Like, right. and that was also what I thought about black when blacklisted that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. started to get more interesting. Was when George kind of had that like vocals, like like a like a preacher riling people up. Right. And, and, I, and, uh, Dwight Hellion also, you know, he's told me that a lot of his performances are like a sermon, you yeah. know, it's a, a, a hymn to the children of the black flame. You know, it's like, he is invoking this like old, almost like, uh, the, the snake handlers, you know, like the fucking, <laughs> like getting really, really into yeah. it. And, and, and I think that that, 
the spiritual and, mosh. That's our, burn, I'm going to make spiritual mosh shirts. Yeah. I think. Mark Ryan. We got a bit of Bo Mark Ryan, <laughs> but uh, yeah. like, yeah, burn to me. Not saying that it was like, you know, had necessarily a spiritual message, but just right. the, a feeling the, the feel. And yes. I think I the other are. thing, the other thing that's about burn was a band with, you know, and Chaka addressed it a little bit with, as far as sound, like, Hey, we didn't go in saying we want to sound like, you know, this band and this band, but having no limitations, there wasn't like, Hey, we're a straight edge band or we're a, a vegan band or we're whatever. So yeah. it leaves this whole wide open field where you can just do so, you know, do so much with it. Um, that That's just also telling, I think of, of the, of the time and of the era. So I, yeah. I, I hate to keep, but no. I wanted to talk about the lyrics a little bit. Yeah. Um, did, so did you write, how did the lyric writing work for Burn? Were you, was it a collaborative effort? Was it? We, we, me, Gavin wrote out of time because it was the last one we were going, it was like the last song to sing and I didn't have lyrics for it. But uh, Godhead, oh, Godhead, Godhead, Godhead Drowned Shall Be Judged, I wrote those. Okay. Gavin did write numerality and other shit. Gavin's a wonderful lyric writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, numerality's got like the uh, kind of like political, right? Like political. Exactly. But like shall be judged. That I mean, that this is this is one of the best like animal rights type yeah. songs. I think. And I and odd, oddly, I I've decided. Well, you know, fuck about that shit. I eat a lot of fish, but I've stopped eating fish for now. Hell right yeah. now I've just been eating. I've been going to a bed with me and, and Matt from Arthur. I used to call it a vegan diet. Because back then, like, you would tell a relative I'm vegan. i say, oh, you're, so what could you eat if you're vegan? Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's easier but, now than ever. You know, and, oh, and you, were, you were always, especially working at Prana and mm-hmm. hanging out, you know, maybe around Porcel and around Gorilla Biscuits or whatever. So it was, no. it was always there, but... Now it's easier than ever to yeah, be. Yeah, but dude, all I, I eat now, I, I eat like yams, I eat fucking uh, mm-hmm. bok choy, spinach. I don't yeah. Even, I don't even oh, like yeah. the prepared shit anymore. Like, I'm just strictly like, I want grease. You know what? I, mm-hmm. it just, I don't know if a motherfucker's getting old or what it is, but I just realized that, like, I'm looking looking at my, my food like fucking Neo is in the Matrix. I see greens. Okay. I know how to digest that. I know the algorithm for that. Okay, right. yams, simple, got that. I see this process shit and like, I'm, I'm not getting the computations back mm-hmm. the same way. It's not as appetizing to my being. Yeah. Just looking at, okay, I'm gonna go cook them greens. I'm gonna cook up, get this whole can of garlic out. And that to me, my body wants that. Yeah, there's an acronym called JERF, Just Eat Real Food. Bam. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say that shit's real and the other shit's fake. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Balaram, I see you, I know you you, you enjoy a lot of the vegan uh, kind of fake treats and stuff like that. Like, how how do you like that versus just eating like the greens and the roots and all that kind of shit? Oh, rice, beans, and greens are, you know, they're way fulfilling. I mean, you know, you've heard the phrase, you know. Ital is vital. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, it's like, that shit is real. Yeah. yeah. Like, like that's the, that's the, that's the deal, you know? So. And I like the fake, um, I, I mean, I like the fake stuff as much as anybody it's else. It's delicious. You feel, you feel better when you're just eating like a, just straight up real plants. And I Bam. think, yes. you know, to tie it back to the lyrics, what I love about shall be judged is it really, 
I think it deeply explains why to not eat meat. And one of the lines that I um, love too is a mouth to feed at the expense of both the partaker and the partaker. Because it's basically saying like, yo, you're, you're fucking up the planet and you're killing animals, but you're also putting poison and shit into your body. Right. Like, like uh, KRS one says, you know, that's suicide, self-murder. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's deep. And that's, that's something that um, makes this song timeless um, and still I relevant. Ghost, I used the ghostwriter for this song. I'm going to, I have to admit. There was a lonely yogi lady at the over. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, I think when, when you mentioned Prana Foods being a big, like to me, I was like, oh yeah, like shall be judged. Like I'm mm-hmm. thinking about that whole your consciousness at that point had to just be influenced by being around that. Dude, 100%. And that was at a time when a health food store smelled like wheat germ and like mustard greens. And it didn't smell shit. All of, most of the shit wasn't in a fucking package. You were smelling nuts. You know what I mean? So it just, even like you go outside, you go outside after the, the, the grass is cut. That shit activates your whole shit, right? Yeah, right. Sometimes I just walk and rub trees and smell that. Yeah. That's what walking into a real health food store will do to you. You're just like, holy shit. And that, it, it expands your awareness and locks you into that space. So now you're dealing with all these people. You're like, okay, yeah, this is a life. This makes sense, right? It's right. not a passing thing where I'm going to go grab these three packages that happen to fulfill a dietary restriction that I put on the computer to describe myself, you know? Is, just, um... It, is Prana still not? I don't know no, New York sadly. too well. It's not. And shout out to Bruce Raddick. I love Bruce Raddick. Bruce Raddick was the owner, an amazing guy. I mean, God, he 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 was so uh, gracious to me and Mark. So mm-hmm. God bless Bruce. You you and you and Mark Ryan worked there, and didn't Norman work there too? Me, Mark, Norm, my man Sasha for a little bit. Um, Sergio also. Sergio's um, ex-wife Jenna worked there. Okay, okay. Her and Sergio, Sergio's still Alan, like a, Alan a Peter vegan. worked there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sergio's, Sergio's, Sergio's vegan. Yeah, yeah. He's like so vegan, like he got like a vegan clothing thing or something. Yeah, so yeah, like, to me that's Pancho cool. Be, Pancho be gone now. That shows like you guys all like you know it, it made an impression and it, it, it stuck with you all these years. Like, I mean, that's what thirty years. Un- unlike the people that only like the first Bernie Pete, right? They just, they, <laughs> that, 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 exactly. <laughs> hey, should we get into hot tracks? We should. Okay, so. Could, you know, both of you, Chaka and Balaram, you know that on this show, we do hot tracks where we discuss the favorite song on this record, whether it's for us, the favorite song to listen to, Chaka for you, it could be the favorite song to play, you know, maybe you have a different attachment to it. Balaram could be the favorite song to mosh to, if that's your, you know, if that's your reaction. And you know, since um, you're are here, you saying a mosh react? I'm gonna, mosh honestly, react I'm perhaps. Gonna stop. Yeah. So I'm gonna follow go, I'm gonna go. dive yoga on Instagram. Mosh boom, react. Boom, boom. <laughs> but I'm going to go back to calling instead of calling anything mosh. Just going back to calling it dancing. 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 Yeah, let's do it. It's yeah. Dancing. Okay, yeah. so baller like that. You throw this EP on. You got four songs. Which is the one that you're dancing to the most? Don't fuck this Ooh. up. <laughs> there's no, no, the beauty is there's no wrong answer on this. There's show. a wrong answer, bro. <laughs> there isn't. There, there, there's a, I can see there being a wrong answer. Like, there's an obvious answer, right? Sure. So there's a, 
there's a there's is a there obvious answer? answer because I think there's two. I think I don't know. Yeah, we have, there's there's two. Answer? Yes, there's an obvious answer. There's one song on this on this seven inch that is an absolute mosh monster, and I would typically <laughs> go. I I would typically go with it. However, in deep contemplation yes. <laughs> of mosh. <laughs> I have come to the conclusion that the hardest song on here, and it's my hot track, Out of Time. And the reason why, yes, the reason why is because it has a sneak mosh. It has, I love, I love songs that have, that have, that have covert secret kind of breakdowns that you don't know are going to come. There's a lot of stop starts that are happening. Um, this song also starts with an amazing drum bill that, yes. that, that is very similar to the other obvious Moss song I'm not <laughs> going to name, which you know, and it starts with some drums. But I'm going with this other one because you, the first time I heard it, I thought the song was over. I mm. thought it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be like, out of, and I thought it was going to go like some bands do, out of, time, right. like that. But then it goes, out of, I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? Like, who was writing the words like that at that time? You know what's crazy? That and I thought it was over. I thought it was over. So they start going to dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it. And I was like, okay, they're gonna be, they're gonna, they don't, they gonna play this two songs. It's done. No, all of a sudden they pan the guitar and then Gab's like, jing, 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 and it goes, it goes from speaker to speaker. It goes from left ear to right. And I was like, oh my, I was, I was like, oh shit. And then it ends, and I was like. Yo, that's how you end it. I was like, this is the track. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for, uh, see, I love when people actually wonderful. explain and articulate yeah. why it's their favorite. So thank you. Yeah. Jason. It's heavy. Isn't it heavy? It's it is heavy. heavy. It's awesome. Yo, that, yeah, that breakdown at the end, it is heavy. And it, you're right. It does, like, it's a sneak attack at the yeah. end. Oh, oh, there's one, oh, one more reason. One more reason. I just came, I, dude. The bo- vocal delivery is everything. There okay. is a melodious. Now we're talking. There's a, there's a, yeah, here we go. There was <laughs> there, no. There's a melodious like. There's a refrain that you keep remembering, and it's and it's a different. It's a, it's not the same youth crew type of group vocals, but you know, you know, out of sight, out of you know, it's like it's like boom, it's like out of sight, I, like you're like right there, and it's like on the the way it's delivered, it's on the line. It's like it's like it's like. Like it's it's right there. It's easy to it's easy to remember. And as a listener, people love stuff that's memorable. It yes, has yeah. to be a hit. It's a hit. So that I believe resonates with the listener. Not saying it's a pop song per se, but it does take some of those repetitive elements that drive that song. And it's not like that was a that was like the chorus. It was something that was added to. And it makes the song open up. So yeah, hot track. My, yeah, yeah, I'm done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. And honestly, that that I'm sorry, that was Gavin's idea. So props to Gavin. Oh, interesting. It almost sounds like it, like it could fall apart, and it doesn't because mm-hmm. the way it's like the drums mm-hmm. going and out of sight, mm-hmm. and then it, it doesn't, and then it just stops. And tropic almost or something. Yeah, and then you yeah. have that. Like, like I said, nobody else was writing parts like that. Where the, I think 
And that part actually was harder than it sounds in the record. That part of the record almost sounds like a almost a rate. I don't I don't know what it sounds like, but like live, that's people going off to that. That was like one yeah. of those tiny parts. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a hard that's a hard drum part. If you if you actually think about that drum part, the speed of that roll is increasing, and it's oh, yeah. matching it's matching the intensity of the delivery. So most drummers, dude, yes, dude, most drummers. They would be they would be out of the running like two hits in. They're like, dude, I can't I can't speed up. I can't. Alan. I, I, I was mentioning that Gallon spent those hours with his, doing his periodicals. So mm-hmm. I, I hate to you know digress a bit, but speaking of Alan, so how hard is it to like when Burn would play and like you would have to get drummers that could play what it's Alan? Really was. tough, really yeah. tough. And one of the reasons why I love Alan and why I consider Alan a friend is because he's himself. He's very unique. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he does and, and you see like his fills are more pronounced in, in like the quicksand thing. But one thing Alan's hits always have like there's always music inside of the music. Like that out of that's that drum roll from out of time. And even that drum roll for um uh at the end, even drum roll being yeah, that shit's not all the time, really. <laughs> That's yeah. me fire. Like you just doing that. Yeah, I just got throw my headphones and spin. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Get down. it's memorable. That is yeah. so memorable. Alan, like, I, 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 we could. I could just do. I, I think I said, I, like I said earlier, I could listen to the really both drum fills for the first and last song just on a loop. And I'd be like, can't, can't, can't you, can't you, man? Like drums, yeah. like make it like every hardcore person knows if you're like actually legit, like there's certain <laughs> drum parts you remember, right? Yeah. Everybody knows. Click, click, click. You know, you right. know. Yeah. You know. That's, that's <laughs> one thing I want to bring. I want to share as well. One, one of the things about, I mean, I think this is honestly the best production for Burn. The drums, the drum set doesn't sound organic. And honestly, it plays into that comic book. I was sharing it like when, when I got the, the EP cover, it looked like a comic book to me, right? And I think the that sound of the drums even sounds a little bit fake. Mm. And it ties into the whole <laughs> Gotham comic vibe. Jason, what do you think about that? I mean, the drums are killer on this. I don't, I'm a lyric person. And I okay. definitely connect with Burn on a lyrical level. And mm. I always listen to vocals, but Burn was one of the first bands where I did notice the drums. And Chain of right. Strength, I noticed the drums too because they're yeah. so powerful and hard and such an important piece of the band. Musical, so musical. All the yeah. times drums aren't that musical. <clears throat> yeah. You know? Because I can't even imagine hearing this played back for the first time and hearing those drums. Like, I feel yeah. like it's almost my reaction when something's that good and it's not really natural, but it's for me to laugh. Like, these drums right. are so good. Look, I'm just like, what the is happening you know what i mean like that's that's how i feel when i listen to burn with alan because yeah stuff's just next level what were you thinking shaka like what were you like when you heard those drum tracks coming back like what was the idea going through your mind nothing like i shared earlier wasn't we weren't thinking anything so did you know though were you like oh this dude is like amazing or were you just like hey it's alan he's a good drummer you know like whatever (laughs) like let's keep let's keep tracking or were you like Holy God! Yeah, I feel yeah, like I I've, think, yeah, I've yeah. tracked vocals and I, and you know in bands, and I feel yeah. like I would just be like probably just like oh yeah, you almost 
You know, when you're cutting, and you, so you'll know this, when you're cutting vocals for a record, the last thing you're thinking about is how, if you're thinking about how talented the other guy is, then that, that's going to generate enough fear or something in you exactly. to forget that. Mm-hmm. And be like, oh my God, how the fuck am I going to do That's what I was saying. Better? So for you, you're just like, this is my friend, Alan. He's playing drums. Alex is going to play bass. Gavin's going to play the guitar. And then I'm going to sing over it. Boom, done. Yeah, so like I think I, I was more concerned about my vocals, than, and I, and I think that the better something is, the more concerned you get, right? Because you're like, okay, I, I got to make this better somehow. Yeah. Did you do any kind of warm ups for vocals, or do you <laughs> now? Maybe? No, no, back then. No, I didn't, I didn't. You know what my my warm up was to get a very spicy uh, Chinese food lunch. I used to get the bean. I'm not, I'm not lying. I would get the bean curd home style, and something about that was filling, but also spicy enough to kind of open mm-hmm. you up to yell. Mm-hmm. My huh. dude, uh, Sean Ingram from Coalesce said that he couldn't nice. sing into a mic without drinking Jack Daniels or Maker's Mark because that whiskey would open up his throat. Now we know that that also makes you dehydrated, <laughs> but it also like warmed up his, his vocal cords and you know, everyone yeah. has their thing. Absolutely. Even, even to this day, like when I'm making music, I like to have a few different kind of tastes around. Like you think, if you think back in the day before there was TV, motherfuckers had like berries and that shit was like a fucking TV show and they had like some tea and that was like a fucking miniseries because that's all there was, right? Yeah. So for me, I like to have my little, like some coffee, like, a, uh, you know, something maybe that's got some alcohol in it, some water, a juice, and I'm just sipping these different things mm-hmm. just to engage with it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's what we were doing with Burn. We were just engaging right so you almost you're almost too curious to really know what anything else is because you're you're engaging and you're doing it because the vocals i think sound great on this especially yeah, for like absolutely. you said a first a first real don't, appearance don't qualify it this is really good for a chick yeah <laughs> i would say it harder <laughs> no but i know i know that you've said before that you know when you did this maybe I don't know if you if you weren't satisfied or you said people were like, oh, I don't like the vocals. Yeah, somebody was complaining about the vocals. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's always going to happen. Hey, let's get back to hot tracks now. Yeah. Jason, hot what's your hot track? <laughs> hot track. I mean, I got to say, though, every song on this record is classic. Right. That's a hard thing to pull off. I have a four-song <laughs> record that's legendary, you know what yeah. I mean? But Ooh, Drown is the song that really connected with me, and I heard mm-hmm. those lyrics. And I think that was the first time where I really felt like, someone understood the way of depression and the way that I felt it. Wow. You know? Yeah, no, I agree. Thank you. It's heavy, it's heavy both musically and lyrically. And yeah. for someone myself that I, I, I'm pretty open about having struggled with uh, mental health, both myself mm-hmm. and just in my familial line, uh, this one lyrically hits yeah. very hard. And then even the, you know, I'm not capable of hate. So right. it seems, I mean, that's I really got, just... I got to say this track, I didn't get it until I saw it live. Mm. It was my least favorite song on the record. I mean, how are you going to qualify like least favorite? But right. it was my least favorite until I saw it played live. And then I was like, oh, fuck. Like, this is, these lyrics are real. You know, and Mm. I think maybe because it was slower and I was just Mm. like, come on, I just want something fucking hard and fast and I want to mosh or dance or whatever. I'll I'll back you up on that because I was kind of the same where like when I got the CD when I was younger, it was like, I thought, I didn't think it was a bad song, but I was like, oh yeah, this is like the slow one. Right. Right. I wanted, you know, fast. And 
uh, over time and yes, yeah. seeing it live and really digging into the lyrics, I was like, oh no, like this yeah. is, could be hot. And, track and Gavin does this thing where he says, uh, and my, you know, what says, though my tears may fall like rain. Ding. You hear that? Right, you get yes. that whole harmonic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I just love yeah. that stuff, yeah. man. Yeah. I agree. With, I agree with y'all on that. Like that, that song, I remember like I, it wasn't a skippable track, but I was right. like, oh, ah. this is the, this is, this is the, this is the, this is the, this is the slower one. But I will tell you, as time has gone on, as it always happens, you know, age starts happening mm-hmm. and you start looking at things again. And you're like, oh, okay. Now I've actually experienced this. Yeah. As an 18 year old kid, I was kind of yeah. just like, give me shall be judged. You know, no, I felt that yeah. shit. Juke, you know? Yeah. And I still yeah. don't. I think people dance very hard for drought. Yeah. Yes. I can see it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's, it's that that's, emotional that's, connection. That's true spiritual mosh. Yeah. It's an, it's yeah. an emo song in the true non, <laughs> in, in, in a non derogatory way, in the yes. same way of like embrace, yeah. you know, oh, or yeah. rice of spring or, or whatever. It's, it's got that, feel to it and uh vulnerability involved but let me say though godhead did it did hit me with the sneak attack though when i played godhead for the first time i thought the jazz i thought that that jazz breakdown was just going to fade out and that was going to be the end of the song and i'm going to say uh i'm just going to jump in and say that godhead is my hot track then we came back with the hear me yes so so that part with the the break and it Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of daylight in between in the riff, right? And then it's like, there's the drums and the vocals and you say, hear me, I'm calling out. And then there's that scale. So when you talk about the dynamics and the, 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 the blend of vocals, lyrics and musicality on this song, especially on that section Right. It's wild. Yeah. And like, of course, any of these songs, like you hear the drums on Shall Be Judged and you fucking run and you start jumping around. Um, You know, all of the songs, they have their own special place. But for me, I think Godhead, um, because of the lyrics and the dynamics of it, that's my hot track. I rarely agree with Hav. So I'll jump in (laughs) now and say that is my hot track for all the same reasons, which again, this is fucking weird. Wow. In like, you know, 30 episodes, we don't agree very much. <laughs> I think this is our second time. <laughs> but like that, wow. hear me, I'm calling out, especially live. Yes. Getting yes. to scream that back at you, Chaka, yes. is like, yeah. that's like such a release. And I give remember me that, like clamoring for the mic. Like, yes. give me that fucking mic. I want to be the one to say these lines into this mic. Yes. Um, and fight one of the every funny, motherfucker for it. One of the funny moments was, I, I guess, which to date was the last U.S. Burn show. Remember the one at that like brewery, that weird outdoor thing? Yeah. And I remember singing along to that song and both yeah. my kids were there and they were yes. laughing at me. They were laughing. They were like, why is dad yelling like this? They thought it was so funny. But like, yeah, that song, Godhead, to me, that's like, if someone's like, what's Burn sound like? That's the song I'm going to play because it has everything. Because it has the slow it has down part. It, it has, has so many parts. Goodness yeah, it's got, it's got yeah. everything. And it's just, uh, Zach, that was the song that uh, 
friend of the pod, Zach uh, Oxnard, who does mm-hmm. 185 Miles South, which is a, a great podcast. Nice. Um, he they did a super seven. They did this thing where they picked him and some other people picked seven tracks from revelation, uh, artists or records. And, uh, he picked Godhead and his exact quote was, this is the apex of hardcore. Yes. Wow. And that's deep. Yeah. That's that ascending guitar part is, I remember the first time I heard that I was just Mm -hmm. like, Oh wow. i I got a new guitar hero now. This is cool. I was like, <laughs> okay. because it, it came out of nowhere. You know, recover from it. I was like, wow, you didn't yeah. have to put that there. But you did. And it make man, that's... And the, lyri- the lyrics on that section too, they, it could be an affirmation. It could be something that you look in the mirror and you say to yourself, like, hear me, I'm calling out help me recover from my thoughts. Like it right. could be like, I want to be stronger. Yeah. I, I need to help myself. Someone else might not help me. Like I'm, mm. I'm, but I'm still, I'm still calling out for that. And I know that's a little bit mm. like deep and, you know, that's maybe, exactly what it is though. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask. Yeah. I was going to ask like what, what conversation. So what, what was going through <laughs> your head writing these, the lyrics to this song in particular, Godhead, and what made you choose the title uh, of? I, I honestly don't know. I was whatever. I was you know, I was eighteen or eighteen years old, and yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, battles with my dad, trying to become a young man, and and the emotion that that goes with all that stuff. And I think that to try to, I think, talk unpack it at this point, I think it would be, I would, I would be making it up. Yeah, because this was the first time that I saw the term godhead until mm-hmm. then i became a devotee which you know balaram shakti and javier and then i would see uh you know this krishna is the supreme mm-hmm. personality of god yeah and i i was like burn and i didn't know if there was some <laughs> like if you if you just from being around that well that i definitely was that that's a term that i was aware of i'm aware of the words and stuff like that right and, and maybe being around that maybe that was a word that i chose because it was of its proximity in, in your this, lexicon in the scene. yeah exactly mm-hmm. um but other than that i i think it, you know i think the beauty of, of of art is that good art is made from your place of your present mind right and that's excluding out what's up for you behind you where are you now? And you're just spitting out. This is where I, this is where I'm at now. And I'm still like that. So I honestly like, I don't even want to try to reach back and try to think about what I was thinking. Cause it just seems stupid to me. Right. Yeah. You know? And you don't want to, I, I, I get that too. Cause you don't want to necessarily nullify like what someone else is going to take from it. And sometimes if you say, well, this is what I was well, saying. Well, how, how do you reach back? And, and I mean, how do you honestly reach back and give me an honest account of how you felt about something 30 years ago? Yeah. To a song. It's, it's tough. And I've it. written, I've written lyrics and like, I think back to what I was thinking then and you almost like cringe some of the stuff you're like, oh, but then you realize like, it goes deeper than that. And, and it's it was, also in that you were dealing with those ideas from the concept of where you were at at that time. So it yeah, almost exactly. takes that, that idea and, and you can't look at that idea as that idea because that's not how you saw it. 
Right. right. Just like you guys even said that, hey, like I once I experienced depression, well, that drought song makes sense to me now. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So like so you can write a song about like a bad breakup. And then, of course, years later, you're, you know, happily married and whatever. And you can look back and be like, ooh, I can't. Yeah, you can look back and say, well, I had no idea how to navigate relationships. Exactly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chaka, tell us your hot track. Hot track, hot track, hot track, hot track, hot track. It's like picking one your favorite kid, you know? It's hard. I know, I'm just, I'm just like... You don't have a favorite kid, Hoff? Uh, no. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think, I think my, my, everybody has a favorite kid, sadly. They all have different... Favorite. favorite for different reasons. I love them Exactly. All. There you go. That's more honest. Um, I think maybe, maybe Shall Be Judges because mm. it has the most fire, I think, overtly in it, like... When that song is played the right way, it can sound fast, even if it's not going that fast. It just sounds, it's just bubbling up and burning and consuming and has, it has its own energy. You know, it has its own sleigh ride, motorhead, you know, discharge, where you're just along for the ride when it, when its song is played right, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, I, and I, I, so I think it, it shall be, you know, from a lyrical standpoint, you think about, I've had so many people share to me, yo, because of that song, like, I made these dietary, I checked into this, I'll, I'll leave it there. I looked into how diet, how I could better, you know, leverage diet in my life. And for me, like, I mean, goodness God, like, it, think about that. That's a beautiful thing that, yeah. it, because diet obviously is a huge impactor around your health, right? And around your mood. So if someone tells you, hey, man, you, you helped me to make more intelligent decisions, that's like an overall positive net effect on your life. So I think for that reason, it would have to be, uh, shall be judged. It's awesome. Nice. So I guess in wrapping up, since we're not going to get to talk burn again with you for, like we said, four years or something. 80 releases. <laughs> yeah, 80, 80 yeah, plus 80. releases. Yeah, like 87, so, um, 86. What's the future of burn? Because I know, you know, burn's a band that comes and goes a lot. You know, we had the 98 reunion, the 2001. And then from 2015 on, you guys are pretty prolific. You did two seven inches, an LP. Um, then things quieted down again. Like I mentioned that show uh, in 2018. It was like in June. And I think that was mm-hmm. the last U.S. show. I don't know if you guys did any overseas after that. Mm-hmm. But to me, I think it was the last one. I don't know if there was any overseas. But you were scheduled to play Black and Blue Bowl. Mm-hmm. This past year, 2020, yeah. um, that didn't happen. What's the future hold? What's the future hold? I honestly have no idea. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I mean, the one thing, um, I, me and Jake have been on email. We're going to release some of the old burn shirts just to kind of nice keep some fun shit happening. Nice. Okay. Purple? Can we get some purple? Purple yeah. long sleeves? Purple. purple. Yeah, no. yeah. We're going to – Yeah. Okay. What, what color should we do? The purple? What else? What else? Yeah. You purple. should do the white one with the tribal sun that you were talking about. I used to have yeah. that shirt and I oh. loved it so much. But even when I owned it, it was, you know, it was too short on me. It was too it was a young shirt on me, but they, I still tried were, to wear they it. They were a weird fit. That, that, that was a weird time in like and you know I, I can remember green, teal green. Yeah, green. Yes. Kelly oh, green. I love the teal. Yeah, I Teal, teal green, a different type of green. Yeah. Oh, I understand what you're you talking You know, about. Seeing, I know the shirt with the, with the Uzi and the TV. Yeah, the Uzi and the one. TV. This is where we get like, real excited. Yeah, real real deep. So Me seeing, too, I love garments. Go ahead. In the 90s, seeing these shirts worn by especially Rick Rodney 
and Tim McIntosh from Trial. Yeah. Both huge Burn fans. And you didn't see any other people wearing these shirts, especially on the West Coast where I was from. So it was like, wow, these are fucking grails even back then. And so it's clear that we might get those shirts now and not have to pay fucking 250 Yeah. Because the purple... The purple, yes. I had the I had the purple one, the hundreds one, but I, I gifted yeah. it to my friend yeah. Jason. Yeah. Um, I have there that. you go, Jace. But I would awesome. love to have yeah. another purple burn shirt and uh yeah. Yeah, I look forward too. to that. Because I saw there was some Death Wish had some new shirts, but they weren't like the classic designs they were no, they have that, and that's yeah, we're gonna do some classic shit. I, yeah. I had a purple long sleeve that's, that's, had like a like the like the drawing the of outline, what, like, the dead body outline. would be on the sleeve. Yeah, my dad took that picture. That's Ian Love um, lying on the floor from um, um, Rival Schools. Oh, shit. oh, it's awesome. Nice. Yeah, and he played in Burn for a little bit too, right? Like, I love uh, the era with Ian. Ian really brought a lot more kind of like not metal, but like kind of deep, dark, almost metal heaviness to the metal. yeah. Awesome. And yeah, Chaka, we you are also doing music as Ghost Decibels. Um, and yes. you have some new stuff out oh. currently or on the way out? Yeah, I, I just released, you yeah, know, I just released uh, this three song EP called Haunted Houses. And it's not about haunted houses. It, 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 you have, whatever, you can check it out. Mm-hmm. There's a video for a song called When the System Dies that yeah. uh, my dear friend Mariah Ray uh, spent a lot of time on and that I really, really like. People um, should definitely, definitely check out the Ghost Decibel stuff. Yes. Um, yeah. Check out. What, what, I'm seeing what else you got in the well, orange you, nine. Give us some more acoustic stuff, man. Give us some more acoustic stuff. You know what? I'm, I'm that, and that I, song I, you posted a song, you playing acoustic guitar, it was very spiritual. It was a different side I wasn't expecting, and I'm about that business. I like you know that. What? You just hooked me up now. You're forcing me. The only reason I released that that I made those haunted houses songs is because my friend Rory, Rory Krim, when he did the BDP show and a bunch of amnesty shows, yeah. she's like, you should do something for your birthday. And I was like, what am I, she's like, do a live thing from your house. I was like, what? I was like, I release some music. <laughs> so now Balram, so I literally, I bought a guitar because I have, I, my idea was to do a band called the Midnight Marys, right? Oh, right. All, all acoustic, right? And the vibe behind the Midnight Marys, like if I think, if I mention the word Mary to you, what does that mean? What do you think of what words pop to your life? Mary. I always think Mary, of Mary, Mary, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Happy. Happy. Like happy, nourishing, comfortable, yeah. eat like all, all the all the good positive things, right? Yeah. But then yeah. when you think about the word midnight, what dark. what is what dark freaks come out at night? Yeah. <laughs> freaks come out at night. So exactly. the midnight, the midnight Marys is basically the idea for, for that is like this kind of dark but nurturing music for kind of these dark darkest times uh-huh. you know what i mean mm. so now that i've mentioned that that that'll be what you i gotta love. do it thank you so much oh jason, my god thank you i jason, love you guys jason and i watched uh, about a year ago when you did when you went live with norman Ooh. oh man and you guys did suspect yeah and he played the acoustic guitar and you sang and i thought that was fucking fantastic yeah oh. so i, I would crying. love to I would love to hear like stuff in that in that vein, even if it's not necessarily suspect. Yeah. I was going to bring up Orange Nine. You guys recently, which I sent you, Chaka, the picture yeah. recently reissued. Uh, tragic, yeah, 30, tragic 30 something records, records out of uh, I think Germany, I believe, or yeah. UK. And I think UK? that's okay. still available, so people. Should There's still a few out. left. It's a very it's a very limited pressing, and most of it's gone, which is yeah. Good. And it looks really nice and sounds great. So oh, cool. um, I haven't got my copies yet. It's it's awesome. 
So. Balaram, I'm so super stoked that you joined us here. Uh, we, I had yeah. no idea. Like we talked about talking about burn with you, but I'm glad that you jumped in. Because we were gonna to have us. we're gonna Sorry. have him probably on a Patreon, but I was like, yeah. you know what? I, I talked to Balaram six hours a day. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like. I'm gonna have my man on for like a regular episode. Yeah. Let's, let's, can I can I can I add a little bit of bonus content here, please? Yeah. I want everybody to tell me their the favorite stage dive that they've ever done or witnessed. Ooh. Oh shit! Ooh. Ooh. Well, I'm not a stage diver, so me doing it is out of the question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the only band I've ever staged dove to was Bane because I just I love Bane. What song? So what much. song? And what venue? It was it was in I think I did a bunch at Cafe Metropolis in Wilkes-Barre, um, but it was like early two thousand, probably something off of the Give Blood album because that's my favorite uh, Bane yeah. stuff. But as far as like watching, I mean, I love watching Balaram stage dive, of course. Yeah. Um, but like when I think stage dive, the picture that always comes to my mind is that classic bad brains picture of hr where he's yeah. like at a 45 degree angle yep. I, I believe yeah. it's from the uh insert for eye against eye mm-hmm. my copy doesn't have an insert so if someone wants to photocopy one and mail it to me, <laughs> my, my mailing address slide into my dms and i appreciate it <laughs> oh my um, God. but that to me is like the ultimate stage dive picture even though i have never I don't. I didn't see where he landed. I've never seen yeah. a video of that show. I think he just uh, did it on stage. He just did a backflip on the on the stage, like he okay. turned sideways, and so he's, you know, perpendicular mm-hmm. to the crowd or whatever. Instead right. of yeah. the crowd, to me, that's that's the ultimate. Like if he's in rotation. Like, what's a mm-hmm. stage dive up? Show him that picture of HR. Yeah. I live in Virginia, so Timmy's. Timmy from Virginia Beach is one of the best stage divers I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I've seen him dive off of so many cabinets and I'm a horrible stage diver. I remember seeing No Justice for the first time and my friend was like, and this was a compliment, he was like, this guy has no regard for himself (laughs) or others (laughs) or anybody else. Yeah. And he is just, yeah, he's such a presence. You're right. As far as in real life, I got to give it to Timmy, uh, bit of Bo Timmy. If I'm going gonna, gonna to take it back to that uh, Burn Hundreds mini documentary because in that video, Chaka does a stage dive in the middle of the Burn set and then just jumps back on stage and grabs the mic and starts singing. Oh, shit. Nice. And that is sick. Yes. Can I say That's, something real quick? It's a yes. hard flex. On my Instagram, I got a photo. I got a video of uh, Burn playing United Blood. Out of time, Shaka just jumps at that same part you're talking about. When I'm out mm-hmm. of time, and then yep. Shaka jumps. The, it's so tight. It's all. I, nice. I'll send it to you after we're done with Please this. Please send. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's 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 amazing that 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 song, man. It's diveable, man. Yeah, it's it is diveable. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and it's, you know, I think of I think you know in my mind, I'm thinking more like in recent times. You know, shout out to Power Trip. So yeah. in Austin. So in Austin, Texas, we have this venue called the Mohawk, and it's like it's got like a, a like a balcony. It's got a balcony level up above, so you can you can stand at the top and look down and watch the band. And then, of course, on the floor, you know that's where, you know everyone's moshing and stuff. And like some of like my personal favorite dives is just jumping off of that balcony <laughs> and coming down. But um, oh, I nice. I remember seeing this picture. It's nasty, man. It's uh. 
It's the guitar player of Marauder. Okay. <laughs> it's it's SOB like wearing boots, like just like coming down on somebody with boots. And I was like, Ooh. Master Killer, Master Killer. You know, I was like, I, was like, I, I, I always thought that was, I, I always thought that that was like, it, it showed the like intensity of just, you never know. A marauder. <laughs> Which, by the way, if anyone Sick has man. any of those Marauder uh, Ninja Stars they sold, you can send me one of them. I'll give you my <laughs> It's illegal to send it in the mail. It's a weapon. <laughs> do you remember, oh my they, God. Do you remember yeah. when they sold those Ninja yeah. Stars? Yes, the, the Ninja Stars. I'm kicking myself for not buying yeah. one. <laughs> All right, yo, we're going to wrap this up. Chaka, thank thanks you. so much for your yes. time. Uh, I you can't wait to talk to you about the next record. Balaram, thanks for joining us. Hi, Bull, my brother. Thanks, Hal, Greg, Jason. Hi, Bull. And, uh, Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you all next time. Have See a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thanks, Chaka. Seriously, thanks for your time. Yeah, seriously. Thank oh, you. awesome. Yo, thank you. My yeah, pleasure. Yeah. I, le- I learned a lot, honestly. <laughs> and then I forget what number. What you do? I got the video. I'll show you the video. It's from United Blood. It's great. I, I, I'm not kidding when I say that I was sweating when we were doing that interview. Oh yeah, dude. It started out uh, kind of rocky. I kind of, I wasn't sure. No, what was not at all. But... Like he signed on and usually we chit chat and I have mm-hmm. time to do a little bit of recording for one of our having my say bonus episodes. If you're a, a patron, the having my say is available at all levels of patronage. He signed on and he goes, all right, what's up guys? Let's, let's go. And just fucking right out of the gate. Like what you heard, I am straight up. This will have the least amount of edits. If I I don't even think I want to edit at all. This is your dream episode. I'm just going to plug it in and and we're going to go because I was, you know, I listen as we do the episode. I'm like, oh my God, I need to edit that out. Or that was a little bit too long or whatever. I paid attention the whole time. And I think that what you hear on this on this final recording of the of the episode will be just pushing record and going i i don't even think that it needs any editing i don't think so either and i think you know i i think there's always with any of these you never know how the interviewee is going to be not not even saying like mean or or nice but more like engaging how engaging are they going to be talking about this stuff because like you know chaka made reference to 30 years ago like this thing is over 30 years ago that's i mean that's a significant portion of all of our lives you know there may be people listening that weren't even born when this evidence comes out my wife was born in 1990 Hmm. Yeah, so like yeah, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, right that's there. <laughs> life. This is a, life, a lifetime ago. Heather Bo Heather. Is this, Heather Van as, is this old as the burn seven inch? Yeah, like but that's do you wild. see what I'm saying? So so you never know uh what 
what is going to happen. I was going to, I don't want to say what you're going to get. Cause then, you know, I open myself up for a forest. Dump. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? We yeah. don't know. Cause some people don't remember at all. Right. Or yeah. they don't want to talk about it. Or, you know, you, you started asking about the, the typo and yeah. then the question went away. And I was like, well, we're just going to have to talk about it amongst ourselves afterwards. And then you reeled it back in and asked again. And it still, it just kind of came out where it's like, yeah, like I didn't fucking care. Right. Like there was a typo and I didn't care. Yeah. Because I think back to like, cause you do never like um, on end on end, Ben mentioned, I think, I think it was on end on end. He mentioned interviewing Ian McKay uh-huh. and like his first, he asked him like the first four questions he asked him he just got like yes or no answers. Yeah. Mm. You know, and, and so yeah, you never know who, you know, how people are going to react. So, uh, you know, big props to Chaka and of course our friend Balaram uh, for hopping in and talking about this seven inch. And yeah. I'm he actually, said he was, he was driving to Houston and pulled off at a gas station to sit there and talk to us. He was going to visit his father and just okay. sat in a parking lot yeah. and fucking to talk about this. I missed that. I missed that. I was, I was yeah. kicked out when that happened. Yeah. So to awesome. talk about this seven inch. And luckily this might not be the last time we talk about this particular seven inch, but we'll, we'll save that for, you know, that'll be an element of surprise maybe or okay. maybe not. Yeah, we'll um, see. I mean, there's yeah, a lot. We'll like, we never know. This journey is, as we've already stated, it was a. This journey started out with just me and Greg sitting here bullshitting about records. Yeah. And now, look at me now. <laughs> all up to, on the interweb. I, yeah. I wanted to throw something out too that I was thinking of that we have to do. Um, I know we had talked before about like the hundred patrons, like what we we're gonna uh-huh. do. Uh, but also we still have to do maybe for the end of March, we'll have to do our quarterly, quarterly uh, zoom. zoom. Yeah. So if people, um, patrons, that's for the $20 tier. Um, I just figured I'd gently remind, like if you're in there, uh, we're going to do a quarterly zoom where you can come on and offer us ideas and ask us questions and maybe even just be talk, just talk yeah, maybe even be on your own episode. So we do get a lot of people offering, um, you know, feedback. Uh, and I think that's a great opportunity to really get to talk to us beyond just like an email. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or a message there. or a, a, yeah. a DM telling us how we should, or a, or a, a review <laughs> on Apple podcast telling us what we're doing wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tell us to our face. And, yeah. But, but, <laughs> we'll keep it, it, it engaging. It'll be fun. And we, we do have a discord also for patrons and it's been pretty active. Up. Like we've, we've been talking a lot in there and we're starting to add new channels in there. We've got a yeah. channel for merch. We've got a channel for download links. We've got the regular chat and, you know, uh, starting to get to know some of our, our listeners and, and friends, Tommy Brown, Bram Hubble, you know, these are people that are like active in there every day. And it's, it really does remind me of 1996 AOL hardcore chat. Agreed. Because <laughs> or the start, rev board for me. Yeah, like, you start to the see rev like screen names and you're like, oh, well, I don't know this person in real life, but I talk to them every day. Yeah. And it, it but it's taken out all of the drama of those message boards. And we're literally just talking about Rev Stuff, today, yeah. today we were talking about lost and found records, you know, uh, it, it's cool. And it's, it's I, I missed that. Yeah. I mean, 
And I, I think that that also ties into, I was talking to my good wife, Heather, last night about this, that Revelation Records is kind of wholesome in a way. You Someone know, the rep- said that. Yeah, yeah we've, we've brought it up. Maybe even we said it on, on air that mm-hmm. it, there's not really anything that's tainted the legacy. There's, you know, there's legendary bands. There's no drama. There's no controversies. It's just an endless so you're saying there, of there was no records. one life crew of oh, revelation thank records. fucking god <laughs> agreed and i hit up igby today and i was like igby what's this the new torso urban sprawl record what's the number on that and he said 189 mm. so we're at 22 right now and we got to get up to 180 fucking nine. It kind of came up quick though. 22 kind of came up fast on us. Yeah. And we've had some diversions along the way. You know, the, and we'll continue the to, Dave, but... the Dave bet interview was sick. Yeah. And we've done that. a couple parters. We actually should announce that we have another part to this episode coming up. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying earlier. This, yeah. this isn't the last time we're going to talk about this seven inch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may talk to somebody else yeah, uh, about it, but we figured this, especially since early on when Hav and I, like, this is a, a landmark for the label. Mm-hmm. And we figured even though it's a four song EP, you really can't talk about this too much. So. Yeah, and, you know, we, we, in the beginning, we said that this was a turning point into the college years, right? But I, we figured out that the shelter record was the turning point into the college years, but I still think that this was a turning point sonically for this record label because Super Touch, cool record, right? It's, I'm sorry to say it's not as exciting as the Burn 7-inch. So can you imagine if the Burn 7-inch would have come out, quote unquote, first, even though they did come out on the same day, but numerically, you know, if you're, if we're going through burn is a fucking, <laughs> a demolition ball. It is right. It really is. And it mm-hmm. really did run through the world like a demolition ball. And it's, I, I'm been super excited to talk about this record. And um, what's the next record after this one? Ray and Porcel seven. Yeah. Ray and Porcel seven inch. And then after that, is the our, one we've been waiting for. Record aficionado book stops. Oh, but what's, after, what's after Ray and Porcel? Into another self-titled. Into another self-titled. And, and then nice. I believe Farside Rocham, Rochambeau. And then um into another creepy EP. So mother, like I said, we are in, I can we're we are in getting exciting in times. And yeah. so we're gonna start getting for me and for Jason. Because, you know, as you like to say, we're a little bit older than you. We're going to start getting into where we saw these records come out in real, real time. time. Yeah, yeah And not, not just come out real time, but devour them and go along with the ride. Like, Farside Rigged. Like, I was at the video shoot for oh, one nice. of those songs. You know what Audience. I mean? Like, yes. Like, I, you can oh, see me in the, in the video. Oh, nice. And so... We're part of the experience of the, some of these records going forward, and that's fucking cool. So yeah, I have a, now I we have can a say I was ways. there. I was yeah. there. <laughs> I, I have a little bit of a ways before I, I get to that. But um, what was the first? Well, I don't want to get in the weeds, but what was the first release on Rev that came out in real time for you, Greg? 
Um, oh my gosh. I, you know, I, I would, I would have to, cause now that's like a good question. Let me, let me quick look. Um, I always use our mailing list. This is a good time to bring up. Uh, if you go to our website and you sign up for our mailing list, it's free. You put in your email and Javier extensively researched the oh, rev discography. Sure Cross referenced it over a bunch of sources and has it in order. I'm going to say the first one of these in looking at it at least quickly would be if the Civ record counts that, yeah, um, or so. uh, I did get Shades Apart save it pretty early on and okay. Texas. So like that, okay. era, Texas is the reason uh, Shades Apart <clears throat> and um, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, I wanted to clarify uh, some things that I got wrong when we spoke to Shaka, but uh, I said that uh, Hoya was the one that showed the uh, photo of his father taking photos of burn plane at CBGB's on his podcast, the smoking word. It was actually uh -huh. drew stone uh. um, at stone films, NYC, of course, does the NYHC hardcore chronicles, which I went down a wormhole of and really enjoyed. So anyone listening to this, I'm sure that you're familiar, but I just wanted to clarify that. And also, um, I brought up the Larry Bird shirt that rips off the burn logo that I thought that Tim Singer had taken that artwork and manipulated it into the burn logo that we know and love. And he did not. Uh, it was actually the Celtics that stole it from him. <laughs> and so uh, when I hit him up, I said, Oh, did, did you design the burn logo? You know, and you know, after the Larry Bird shirt came out and he said, I don't know what you're talking about with the Larry Bird shirt, but uh, he took press type, a razor blade, copies of copies to enlarge it and distress it. And he did it to print up a batch of t-shirts for them. And then it just became the logo that they used. Maybe the oldest logo along with the round GB logo type that I've done that is still in wide circulation. Yeah. So, and again, that's, that's Tim. That's, that's where Tim Singer needs to get his, yeah. his due. His um, footprint is everywhere. Like it really is. I, mean, I didn't know that. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jason, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, doing this podcast has really had me appreciate these things on an artistic level yeah. more than I did. Um, because realizing and knowing even with Jason, with doing the graphics and, and, and helping do, uh, you know, incredible looking layouts for even like the, the one up discography coming out and just all this stuff and mm -hmm. seeing what goes into it. And like Javier's mentioned before, knowing that these old releases were all done with like by Hands. hand. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's so interesting to me. And, you know, thinking with, especially with the burn, um, to get a little deep, you know, Chaka talking about his father doing it. And I think that's such a cool you know, his father has, has passed away, but to have that, like to have that piece to know that like this record, like the layout came to be because my dad, you know, yeah. had this idea and did that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think that's so beautiful and amazing. And um, it makes me appreciate the way the seven inch looks even yeah. more than I already did. And I, hopefully it's the same for everybody else. I think it's one of the best hardcore layouts ever without yeah. a doubt. You know? That idea of the still, like that's so cool. Like yeah. to take and and to to hear how it came about, you know, 
yeah. was it was great and and the layout and the logo i mean burn can't use any other logo i know they made like maybe one shirt with a different logo uh early on uh like i think their first shirt which okay. they reproduced but i mean that burn logo is just like it's the same with like judge like you can't have the judge logo not be in that yeah you know varsity strong font, font. So. Yeah. this was just a blast and um great that's episode. all i got yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, next episode is uh, well, burn, burn, burn part again. Two. But then after that is what Ray and Porcel. Porcel. Yeah. Fame, fame backed with broken glass, baby. In banger. Yep. All right. We'll check you all later. Thanks for tuning in. Bidabo. What's up, everybody? This is Javier from the Where It Went podcast. Just wanted to give a special bit at bow to our top tier patrons, Billy Tanell. Bram Hubble, Brandon Gavell, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, David Palmer, Dirk Focused, Ed Goodlife, G. Jason Head, Greg Jackson, John Cowell, Dollar Slice Bootlegs, Quiet Keith, Nate of Head to Wall fame, O'Neill, the horse fucker, Siren Records, Rob Moran, Tim Shear, and of course, Mike the Mosher. You can check us out on www.whereitwentpodcast.com to see how you can help us. See you next time.